happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome to the Terror Table for our very special Halloween episode. We are a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, and I'm one of your hosts here every week. My name is Mitch, and with me, as always, I have... I'm Boozy. And Kyle couldn't make it today due to some personal reasons, but filling in for him, we do have a very, very special guest, a returning guest of the show. Uh, So we'd like to welcome our good friend... Cassie Ozog, all the way from Regina, Saskatchewan. How are you doing, Cassie? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I just want to give everyone a little quick rundown on uh, on Cassie a little bit here because you were on last time you were on was around this time last year, it's, and it's, we were yeah, it's been almost a year. Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we did a Hereditary episode with you, and you were an absolute hit with our our listener base. Everyone loved hearing from you, and we've been very excited to have you back ever since because uh, that was. That was a super fun episode. Uh, it was a heavy episode, but super fun. Uh, <laughs> and I do so believe I to... bullied you into doing a second hereditary episode because that's all I would talk <laughs> yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm happy. I'm very happy that we did because, uh, yeah, that was that episode was a total blast. But uh, for people who are just tuning in for the first time or you might not have heard that hereditary episode, I just want to introduce Cassie a little bit. So. Cassie Ozog is a PhD candidate at the University of Regina in Treaty 4 with a focus on representations of mental illness in the media. She is also a sessional instructor for the Department of Sociology and Social Studies, currently teaching courses on mass media and the sociology of mental illness. She wrote her master's thesis on zombie films and social fears and loves to investigate the things that scare us the most. So with all that out of the way, we are so happy to have you back, Cassie, because this time... We're bringing you on for a Halloween special in which we are going to be doing a Slumber Party Massacre double feature. Uh, so we we always want to do something fun for our Halloween episodes, and there just so happens to be a new remake of Slumber Party Massacre out. We have never done an episode on the original, so we're going to double team this one up and talk about both of the films. Uh, but before we get on to that, we'll talk about everything that we've been up to in the horror realm, what we've been watching and what we've been doing. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to hear a quick word from our sponsors this week, which is Conexus Credit Union. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Does money spark joy in your life or cause you stress? If you said stress, you're not alone. For 42% of Canadians, their biggest stressor comes from money. At Conexus, they care about your financial well-being. Money doesn't have to be stressful, and Conexus is here to help. The Conexus Hashtag Money Talk blog provides expert advice, tips, and solutions for all life stages and events. Getting married, buying a house, budgeting, saving, they cover it all and more. And did I mention it's free? Check it out today at ConexusMoneyTalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. All right. And uh, so, yeah, you guys ready to get into it? Yeah. Always. Awesome. So how's uh, how's the Halloween spirit feeling for everyone? Cassie, what have you been up to? What have you been doing for the Halloween season this what's, year? What's going on in Queen City? Oh, well, there's lots of cool stuff that's happening here. Um, for me, mostly, I started my big horror movie rewatch on September 1st. So I've been watching at least one movie every night and then just kind of posting about it on Instagram and having some really fun conversations with folks. Um, and I feel like that really built me up for the extra extra spooky vibe this year um and and as you mentioned i'm a phd candidate i'm getting close to being done so this was kind of 
I was just really feeling stuck with my writing after this summer and just had some personal family issues going on and a lot of things. And this, I mean, this has just generally been a heavy time for everybody. So for me, yeah. it was kind of it actually watching movies every night and getting excited to do that kind of helped me a little bit with my productivity during the day. So, yeah, that's really what I've been doing. But, oh, my goodness, I've been walking around looking at Halloween decorations. I've been watching as many movies as I can, trying to take in some new ones, trying to watch my old favorites and yeah, um, I was at uh, the Woods Art Space today at the Junction Studio where I got to see uh, some artwork put together, uh, Slasher Cinema put on, which was really cool. Um, yeah, there's oh, just... Oh, shout out Nathan White. Shout out Nathan White and, of course, Josh Appery. And, yeah, no, it was uh, it was really cool to do that. And, yeah, there's always some kind of spooky things going on, but mostly it's just been, like, decorating my house and, um, and just getting into all my favorite movies and some new ones, like I said, every night. That's awesome. Well, we're going to talk about those movies that you've been watching, but uh, before we do that, Boozy, how's your Halloween spirit feeling this year? Um, you know, when we get to what we've been talking about, it took a little bit of a hit, but I'm, I'm coming back strong and I'm still feeling the good vibes from Halloween Kills, so I have that to keep me happy. That's good. Have what you about done anything, any spooky stuff? Like, have you gone any, did the Saskatoon have anything going on this this year for like mazes or you know haunted um, attractions I there's like a kids one at the confed mall i think like some sort so of did like you go dressed up in your michael costume <laughs> just stand <laughs> around awkwardly <laughs> yeah um so there's that i don't know and then there's there's something just outside of town i don't think i'm gonna check it out one of the reviews was talking about how someone peed their pants so like <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing or not good thing yeah um, depends and, where they peed as long as it's in their own pants yeah and then there's a there's a corn maze somewhere around here which like who doesn't love a good corn maze do you guys have you guys must have like a shitload up there well we've got the i know beast. there's one out um <clears throat> went out by lincoln gardens in in lumsden and i went i went and actually looked and bought a bunch of pumpkins at the pumpkin patch while i was out there and um but it was just so cold and there were so many kids screaming <laughs> that i was like no, because I'm the person who gets stuck and lost in the maze and just like and keeps bumping into screaming children the whole time. And I sound like I don't like kids. I do. I love kids. But it was just like the combination of the extreme wind and the screaming children on the Saturday. I was like, no, I'm just going to just going to buy a pumpkin and a pandemic and a pandemic. Yes. I was those like, are, oh, those are the only motherfuckers who aren't va- who are rightfully not vaccinated because they can't be yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's more like I'm going to get my pumpkin and a coffee and head back home. <laughs> It yeah. is like okay. Is is getting lo- like lost at a corn maze an irrational fear that everyone has, or is that just me? I, I feel like a strong fear of like, what if it turns into like nine o'clock and it's super dark out and I'm still out there, like, me. where's the exit? Well, I, oh I feel God. like yeah, but for me, it's more just like the fear of looking stupid. <laughs> like, like why couldn't I find my way out? Like, less so of like a irrational fear that like somebody's going to kill me if I stay in the maze. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. just have this like fear that like a dude with an axe will just start coming around or something. Let me tell you well, something now I worse have that, fear. that actually <laughs> happened. So you remember like I can't remember what the maze is called, but it's a corn maze out by the berry barn and like mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. I, I think was actually looking at going to that one. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I went like this would have been like six years ago. And there was four of us who went, and we went near the end of the day, so it was just like, "Hey, yeah, you guys can go in, but you gotta, you're gonna have to be kind of quick about it." Mm-hmm. And we straight up got lost in there, and <laughs> the sun started going down. And you know, it's worse than a man with a pickaxe. 
the sound of coyotes in the distance. No. Well, <laughs> so I guess a man down. with two pickaxes. Yeah, well, that would also be not as fun, no. not as Gucci as the kids are saying. That, that's honestly uh, like that the great scary. start to a horror movie. Because it's even yeah. got the like, well, you kids better be quick or nothing bad, something bad might happen. Yeah, it even has the, the gas station attendant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for some reason, the gas there. station attendant right Don't out go front down of the those pots. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I went to our friends last night. We like I, I Whenever I talk about it on the show now, I'm just going to refer to them as Spooky Crew. But it's my, my crew, Nick Humphreys, Diana Humphreys, Corey and Natasha. We all carved pumpkins last night and listened to the soundtracks of our favorite horror movies uh had like halloween snacks and stuff like that so that was really really nice because i'm not gonna lie being away from everyone that i'm so used to being around for 31 years uh it has made my halloween spirit take a bit of a hit i've just had so much going on but i'm definitely so grateful to have friends like that out here where i can go and have some fun wholesome spooky fun because like you know, we didn't need to do. We didn't get loaded or anything like that. We didn't go anywhere. We just like carved pumpkins, and it did, was. Did you it was eat a candy blast. corn? Does anyone actually eat we candy did. corn, or is that just something you put in a bowl and then throw out after, like a decorative Cassie. candy corn? Like candy corn, yay or nay? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, just like, you just put it in the thing and just dump it out right after. Okay, enough of that. The only time I've ever been a pretzel guy is when I'm super drunk and there's nothing left but pretzels in the party mix and you gotta eat something <laughs> yeah you do but that's I pretzels like and just candy like corn a lazy option like choose a flavor <laughs> i can't remember the last time <laughs> i need yeah not corn. just plain chips either so do you like candy corn cassie i don't like candy corn but i and i should say like i as much as i'm talking about how much i've been enjoying watching my movies and decorating my house i put so much stress on myself because I've taken the whole weekend off this weekend to just watch movies. Like, I've set particular movies aside that I want to oh, watch. Awesome. And, like, today I was running around just, like, trying to make sure I had the right candies for myself for the weekend. Like, I had, like, very <laughs> specific candies I needed. You're and like, like, I sw- need to treat myself right here. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm, like, swearing at traffic. And I'm just like, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. Yeah. But I'm just so, like, anxious about it. So I don't like candy corn, but I there's not much candy I don't like. So I, But I have a very specific very specific candies i like so i'm going to shout yeah. out to dessert sweets and in, in regina who always kind of have my my back on that so i'm very excited I'll oh that's awesome more. yeah <laughs> yeah it was actually you we were having a conversation i think just over instagram recently where i was like i haven't been watching nearly enough horror movies and you said it's like you shouldn't put stress on yourself for yeah. that it's supposed to be fun and enjoyable and it's the same <laughs> thing with going out and hunting for candy yeah it's, it's but, supposed uh, to be fun yeah it's just this yeah. past week has been a little a little wild with work and busy so i'm just reminding myself like this is supposed to be fun just find the good candies but yeah i i always yeah, do that absolutely well at least you're stocked up now we can talk about some horror movies today and then uh, send you on your way for an awesome halloween weekend <laughs> even though people are going to be listening to this on uh, halloween day we'll be we'll be uh, posting this on sunday october 31st kind of do it. you ever think that uh, annoys people because we always talk in the present tense obviously and then they're listening to it after like oh you guys already did this or that well it's <laughs> my thing with that is i like i want i'm making the i want this episode to feel like it is halloween we're gonna have two halloweens this year i mean i mean yeah we yeah need, it's halloween uh ooh. it's a way it's a way to cheat the system and get us two halloweens instead of one um uh, but i like it just just add random like howling effects in the back every once in a uh, while ooh. Yeah, yeah, like the spooky Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the shoppers drug mart CD we can get. There. <laughs> oh yes. Oh boy. 
All right, well let's uh, let's get into it. So, Cassie, do you want to lead us off? What's uh, what are let's talk about? Give us two movies that you've watched recently oh, that you want to talk about. Ones that stood out for, you know, either good oh, reasons God. or bad. But it sounds like you've taken in a lot this year. So uh, obviously, we don't expect you to update us on all of September and October. We did have a guest <laughs> do that one time. Shout out Alexis. Bless, bless her heart. Yeah, yeah. love you, Alexis. Well. As you know, and I think you know this, Mitch, um, I committed to watching all the Saw movies this year. Yes! And That's a big commitment. Yes. It is. And you know what? It was a huge mistake. <laughs> and did you did you uh, include Jigsaw in there as well? I didn't, because by the time I got to seven, what? I was so enraged oh, okay. that I had wasted so much time. But you have to understand something about me is that, like, I, I commit. I go in too hard and like for example one time I was teaching a class and I was making fun of the Fifty Shades of Grey books mm -hmm. okay. and I had a student say like well have you read them and I said like no why would I read them she's like well you can't critique something if you haven't that's read it. true I like so that I read so I which like is it a fair too. point a total fair point and I always tell my students like challenge me challenge everybody question everything so I was like hey fair play so I read all three Fifty Shades of Grey books, and, you, and I just want that time back. You were converted. So you like, loved them. You understood. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand a lot of things. Those are one of them. But you know what? To each their own. Yeah. Uh, but so I thought I can't really critique the Saw movies unless I watch every single Saw movie, and so I did. And yeah, I just. Um, I'm ne and I'm just never going to get that time back, and I've, I've accepted that. But I was so mad by the time I got to the seventh movie. I was screaming at the screen, and I just was like, no, I'm not watching Jigsaw. And everybody's talking about how good Spiral is, yeah. and I just, I can't get there. Like, I just, maybe next year I'll try. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was... You might you might not awful. like it too much after already going through all those other ones, but uh, it is, it's at least a little different. Um, but did, were you ever a Saw fan? Like, do you like any of them? I loved the first one. Yeah. The first one, and I think the reason I liked the first one so much, and I think most folks can agree with this, is that we hadn't seen something like that before. Um, and you did, and this is, you didn't understand why Jigsaw was doing what he was doing. Totally, you didn't know who totally. Jigsaw was. Yeah. You didn't know what was happening. You were as in the dark as the characters were. And then you got like the wrap up at the end, and you're like, oh my yeah. God, he was in the room the whole time. And it was just this big giveaway. And then they were like, wow, that movie worked so great. Let's do the same thing for every single movie. And it just treats the audience like they're dumb. Because then it's like the big wrap-up. And I just, I don't know, each movie, I, I, I got what they were trying to do. But it just never could recreate that magic of that first one. And so I loved the first one. I enjoyed the second one. And I just really couldn't from there. And this, like I said, the seventh one, I was screaming at it. And so no disrespect. This is what You know me. This mm -hmm. is what I love about horror. There's something for everybody. But I just... I watched all the Saw movies once and never again. <laughs> do, do you feel like after a certain point they blended together? Like, could you tell me the difference between six and seven? No, I, no, I can because <laughs> yeah? seven was obviously was at the height. And the, there was that weird time in the 2000s where suddenly like 3D yeah. movies were the, were the thing. I hated that time. Right? And every I always picked the non-3D option at the movie theater. And every director was like, let's just do this weird thing. And then they did. And then it was like... I found that that last Saw movie was, they just had deaths and gore for, for no reason. Not that they had a reason in a lot of the original yeah. ones, but at least it kind of made sense. Yeah, anyway, so th I that's the only reason I can tell that. they kind of got rid of the story and just added more death. Well, yeah. that's kind of what they needed to do, too, though, because I felt like, I think it was after the third one is where they start feeling like Days of Our Lives. Like, they start, it's like a soap <laughs> opera that's just being, yeah. they're tossing a bunch of gore in there and everything. 
and uh yeah. i still like I, those are ones that i don't i don't know i don't i don't think i could go from start to finish just because that's just kind of saw overload um but i do know a lot of people who really love those movies and all the power to them but uh it, they're pretty sure, much just sure. like kill movies for me like i that some of them i enjoy yeah. the kills well, and I think that's, again, something for everybody. There's always, that's why it's like all the subgenres. Like some people are just like, they love all the slasher movies. There's, I, I'm not a huge slasher movie fan. Oh, welcome to um, our Slumber Party Massacre episode. <laughs> I know, but I didn't want to say it because you invited me and I was so excited that I had that new Slumber Party Uh-oh. Massacre on my list. Yeah. <laughs> so I got some things to say. But yeah, no, I, I really... Um, Again, those the Saw movies just aren't for me, but I find that it's like like Halloween, I love. The first Saw movie, I love. So there's always something in every subgenre that, that does get me. But yeah, this just, I couldn't believe I took up so much time watching them. But I thought, well, now I can critique yeah. <laughs> from, a, from a strong foundation. Well, that's awesome. Well, that yeah, so you don't recommend uh, doing a, a straight run through of the Saw franchise. Uh, Boozy, do you want to take no. one out of the way right now? Then we'll swing, but we'll keep sure. swinging back this around. Is, this is where my Halloween sadness kind of came from because I started watching something I expected to find so much joy in, and it was nothing but sadness and question marks. Um, so I checked out 2021's I Know What You Did Last Summer. I checked oh, out yes, the first Cassie, you've five seen it too, episodes. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I have so much to say. Okay, you guys, <laughs> I haven't watched Perfect. any of it yet, so I'm going to let you guys take this away. Oh God! Um, I I think the the very first episode uh, there was a lot of promise story wise. While I knew going in that uh, the demographic of who they're going for probably isn't me, so I'm not hip on a lot of the stuff. But I mean, um, how, how do I go from there? It just it it uh, basically nosedived right after the first episode for me, and I found that um, it just it tried to do so many things, and you kind of talk about like a uh like tv drama like soap opera within a tv show and this one is basically like everyone is fucking someone and it's in the most debaucherous way and it's just like are you king shaming um, now like what what, what are we talking about debaucherous ways because kids are into some pretty wild stuff um, these days can, can I just mention that, that like, uh, I think it's the first TV show I've ever seen where someone gets pegged and they, like, not just really imply it. They show basically everything but. Um, so and that not was, that it there's just, anything yeah. wrong with that. No, 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 like, no. no. It, that's the first time I've... That was a good I've, pun, though, as right. well, yeah. you said. But um, I, guess, I guess just the point is that um, that's, like, that's one example, but there's so much of everybody is involved in that sort of stuff that uh, I found that a lot of times it took away from the story. And I know you liked spring breakers but it's kind of how i felt about that too where it was just like i love the so disgust much, like, in your face where like you liked spring breakers <laughs> we you didn't like spring breakers i didn't know it's a divisive it was, movie it's a divisive if, movie. if kyle yeah. was here that would be the I, next it, it just, hour it, and and kyle loves spring breakers that's kind of how how i i felt watching this is i was just like there's there's too much and then like the kills were the kills were fine but it so there's kills in I, it. I found I found that the the story of the people got so in the way of any of the the slasher aspects of it that I didn't like that, and, and that's just me. I'm sure that a lot of people do, but I honestly thought that something like uh, the Scream TV show served a better purpose than this show did. This this show basically took the name, a loose idea, and then it's so just, did the original everything movie. Everything else from that is 
is its own weird spin-off that I'm not really into. I don't think I'm going to continue watching, honestly. I, I was hoping it was going to be more kind of like the Scream show, where it was kind of Degrassi, a little more up-to-date, with some kills in it, which is basically what Scream is. And this is definitely far from that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I'm going to say, actually, I, I don't mind all the sex scenes, because that's the most interesting thing on the show. Um, I just feel like it's it's the only thing that really happens. <laughs> Which is like uh, fine. Yeah. That's fine. But it, can I? Are we? This is spoilers. Obviously, huge spoilers. Uh, yeah, we'll put a spoiler warning on that. No? Skip ahead two minutes if you don't want to hear some spoilers for the "I Know What You Did Last Summer" show that Boozy just gave a glowing <laughs> review for. It's 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 not finished. I only watched I don't know anyone who's continuing that. with it. I've heard a lot of bad things, but I just never checked it out. I'm. Oh, I'll continue. I'm going to yes. watch this to the end. <laughs> All right, Cassie, um, let's go. But here's my spoiler. The entire fucking plot is predicated on the fact that there are people who can't tell identical twins. <laughs> That's the entire plot. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if y'all know identical twins. I know a few from sets, and it's like, you can tell yeah. them apart. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can tell them apart, especially... If you have slept with this person, like you know, yeah, that's some dead ringer stuff right there. And the entire <laughs> plot, this is this is the crux of the show. There's maybe a cult happening. There are twins that. And I thought that was going to be a cool idea, the cult thing. That oh, was cool. Geez. I thought that's why I was like, okay, I can get behind this, but no. And then it's just like, and then there's like some weird queer baiting going on, and it's just like, and they're like, oh, check out our diverse cast, but we're still making sure a white woman is front and center, and it's just okay. Like, yeah, and then they're, it's just a whole bunch of weird stuff. And then Death by Slushy. Anyway, I can't. It's all stupid. That one was... So I lied. Cool. I watched the first 15 minutes of the first episode, and that was the first thing that I noticed, too, where I was just like, holy shit, are they ever trying to show their, their flexing their diversity muscles? But it's like, but wait, well, then why is the main character the white one? It's just yep. like, what the fuck? Like, yep. this kind of negates... Oh, God, yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, I just knew I wasn't yeah. going to like it. Yeah. And they're I... all supposed to be, like, what, 18 in this? They're all supposed to be just graduating? Do they all have beards? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they're okay, they keep going back to the, the, the night that it happened and all the stuff that goes back is that's kind of, they add on throughout it. Right. And it's just all these people doing the wildest shit. <laughs> It's, it's like, that classic teenage movie where it's like, like I always think of Can't Hardly yes. Wait for some. That's like my baseline where it's like growing up, you're like, yeah, that's what high school parties are going to be like. It's like that is not what high school parties yeah. are like. I was like At least not the ones I was invited to. They have like a thousand dollars worth of cocaine just for fun. Kids are doing <laughs> yeah, cocaine that like, hard. That these is days? not. Those are not the drugs we had access to yeah. in my small town yeah. growing up. Yeah. Damn. Well, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like I'll be rushing back for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Good, last quick question about that, though. Is it still, like, the fisherman? Like, does he get hit by a car and... No? No. No. And that is... Because neither is the book. I know that. Like, the book is completely <laughs> different than the original movie. And then now it sounds like this show is completely different than that. But not, not in good ways. No. And again, they really just, like, you know, again, like you said, they just take the title... And that's kind of about it and like the vague uh -huh. idea. And they just keep adding on these weird, this is what I like and don't like about it. Like they keep building on the story of like what happened that original night. And I think they've only released up to episode five maybe. So now we know some other things were going on. And, but it just also too, it's like the parents as in all these movies are just all seem to be terrible parents. Like, Oh, right. I, I was calling the main dad like Toby <laughs> Keith. He was like knockoff Toby Keith, and he was just horrible. No, he's like very obviously likes one of his children more than the other <laughs> yes, one. Yeah. Like makes no secrets about it. Like, 
you know, the only thing I saw is like one mom who's like maybe actually caring when her daughter is showing some signs of like self-harm and like, you're like, okay, maybe this is kind of like, sometimes you have these little moments of like, okay, here's some discussion on that. But then they just, they take that moment and they don't do anything with it. They don't actually have a meaningful discussion. Like, ugh. yeah, the, the dad talks to the one daughter, like she's like his like divorce lawyer or something. It was just, there's just so much disdain and like anger every time she addresses him. Yeah. It's it is terrible. I will continue watching it for no other reason than like you said you hate watching it. I hate watching it, but I just it's like you know what I've watched every season of Grey's Anatomy more times than I'd like to admit. I love it. It's my yeah. thing. Let it go. Like I'm just gonna have something I have to hate watch on my lunch break sometimes. I think it is just frustrating that that's the one thing we do get robbed of is there's no fishermen. All I wanted was just a cheap story with the fishermen well, again. That would have been fun. We're only halfway through. Yeah, maybe a fisherman's coming up. I I have seen zero fishing in the show so far. I'm not. They're in Hawaii. <laughs> like they're in Hawaii. Yeah, they found a cave though with cool paintings. They did. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm going to I'm going to butt in with a, something a little more positive cuz so far the first two uh, so we have the Saw franchise not good. I know you Pick did last summer Pick not good. I have uh, now checked out VHS 94, which is the latest in the uh, the anthology series. Um okay, so this is one that seems like uh I know I shouldn't really be actually no, I'm not going I always talk about like what the reception is and what people are thinking cuz that's something I always pay attention to as a podcaster and a film lover. Um, and this one, it has like some insanely good reviews and it seems like it's a a lot of people, it's their favorite of the whole franchise. I would say that it's probably my third favorite out of the four, uh, which isn't saying a lot because viral, like I didn't hate viral as much as everyone else did, but I also was, uh, like, I can't remember much from it. So maybe I need to give it another watch. Uh, but VHS 94 has five segments like every other anthology out there. It's a wildly uneven uh there is one site boozy did you watch it yet no i haven't okay because i I really do i i watched something that was more in the vein of what we're talking about today instead well i really (laughs) don't want to deter you from watching it i think it's very important that you specifically as a member of the terror table watch vhs you said you wanted me to watch yes that's i'm i'm giving it a lukewarm review but i'm saying that you should absolutely watch it because the first segment is amazing like i i loved it and all I'll say for people who have seen it, all hail Ratma. I love Ratma. Ratma is like one of my new favorite characters in anything ever. Um, just please watch it. Even the first half hour, it is just, I, I loved it. And uh, I thought about Boozy the whole time. It was one of those times, Boozy, where I think. Oh, that's so sick. I love to know that you think about me yeah, when you're watching And it happens movies. a lot. Like I was sitting there, I was like, Boozy would love this. And I know Diego, uh, Diego resubscribed to Shudder to, just for this, because we're both big fans of the VHS franchise. Um, it's like, I don't know. The one thing that I that this movie got me thinking, though, is maybe all of us have just always been wrong and wraparounds, like wraparound segments just aren't supposed to be good. <laughs> Cause like, why is it so fucking hard for wraparound segments to be like cohesive at all in any anthology movie? But like this one, it's really bad. Like the wraparound is not good. Uh, but then there's, there's three segments that I, there's two that I really liked. Uh, well, Ratma, I love that one. That's the first one. There's another segment that I think Boozy's going to get a good kick out of. Kind of feels like FUBAR meets the thing. Um, so it's wild. Okay, yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, 
like it's not nearly as good as either of those things but it is it's pretty wild i i got a kick out of that one and um yeah i don't know i just think it's a it's definitely it's an uneven anthology uh simon barrett is one of the creators like one of the guys who was originally behind all the vhs films he was the writer of the blair witch remake um, he also wrote The Guest, and he recently directed his first feature, I believe, which was Seance. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but if you're a fan of Blair Witch, like the remake Blair Witch, you'll get more of that from Simon Barrett's segment. And I know, like, I think I'm one of the only people on Earth who kind of did like that movie. Um, I just, I, I like the last 20 minutes. And yeah, but I, the reason I like it is because of the intensity and like the... Uh, the found footage elements behind it like I'm talking the last 20 minutes of Blair Witch like there's something pretty similar uh, that it, that happens in VHS 94 that that was one of the segments that I did I enjoyed quite a bit but um, yeah I don't know overall I just don't think like I wasn't blown away by this movie I had a good couple of laughs it's definitely the campiest one out of all of them it's really hokey and goofy and over the top you'll see lots of practical effects that a lot of people will probably bitch about but those people aren't horror fans like it's horror fans are going to get a good kick out of a few of these things uh lots of melting faces blood and monsters uh so yeah i still i definitely recommend checking it out if you're ever a fan of those movies and i think there is going to be something for everybody in there like there is w at least one of those segments is going to work for other people but it always makes you feel like you have a bad taste in your mouth when you only like one segment out of an hour and 40 minute movie. Yeah. 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 Totally. But it's yeah. definitely, you could do, you could do a lot worse this weekend than checking out VHS 94. Like a couple of those segments make it well worth watching all of them. I, at least I think so. Um, so yeah, that is my review cool. of VHS 94. Cassie. Can I give you something positive? Yes. Cause I realized I did roll in like super negative, <laughs> but is this is this something new or something you enjoy that you rewatch? New, new. I I really took time to put aside movies that I love that I rewatched. Like you know, of course, like The Thing and The Exorcist right. and like some, a lot of classic stuff that I put aside. Train to Busan, which is so like, one of my favorite movies of the last five years, yeah. just in general. Um, didn't love uh, Peninsula, the sequel. Me to neither. Train to Busan, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but but Train to Busan is just incredible. But and I know y'all have already talked about this on some of your more recent episodes. But the new Candyman yes. movie blew mm -hmm. me away. Yes. Blew me away. Oh my God, was that movie good? Yeah. Um, just incredible. And again, I just like I'm I'm not going to say anything that hasn't already been added to the, the conversation. But it's just that it's just so incredible and just so much commentary and what and what a perfect time to have that movie um did you feel like it was like the commentary was kind of like forced and ham-fisted because that's what some people are saying and i couldn't disagree more i didn't feel like it was yeah. i didn't feel like this was like uh like there's a lot there's a lot of movies recently where it does feel like they're shaking their finger at you while you're watching the movie but i didn't feel that way about Candyman at all and i've watched yeah. it twice now I really loved it. Halloween, Halloween kills. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Halloween. Um, no. Hey, some of us like this. Okay, sorry. I'll back <laughs> off for a second. No, um, but you know what? I think it, I sometimes that argument comes up with like, oh, I just want my entertainment to have my entertainment. It's like I feel you. I'm hate watching. I know you did last summer. Sometimes you <laughs> just want your entertainment. But I think horror has been is one of the best vehicles to have social commentary in. And sometimes, I don't know who's making those kinds of criticisms, I don't want to assume anybody's um, experiences, but in my personal experience, anecdotal, 
sometimes when folks say like, oh, the commentary is too ham-fisted. They are all or, white. Oh, it's really, they're, they're really making a point about this. It's like, maybe it's making you more uncomfortable than you would like. Yeah. you just went in for what you thought was entertainment. Do you know what I mean? I and absolutely. It's like, that movie's a pretty big criticism of white supremacy and the violence that white supremacy has enacted, um, right, on black folks. And so I think that a lot of people, that made them very uncomfortable. And I think that that's not a bad thing. I think we should be a little uncomfortable sometimes, so. Yeah, I right. agree. And actually, I know one thing, yeah. I, didn't you watch the, you're a fan of the Purge movies, right? I am, yeah, which I'm sure somebody will probably come back at me and be like, oh, you made fun of Saw, but you like the Purge <laughs> movies? It's like, as I said, no, the, it's Yeah, different different strokes for different folks, but did you watch the, the latest one, the Forever Purge? Like, what did you think of that one? I have actually not. I'm saving it. Okay. I'm saving it, so, Okay, cool. Yeah. I want to have a conversation with you after you watch it, because I, like... I, I didn't I I'm not a fan of the Purge movies and I liked a lot of the Forever Purge. I actually liked the last two the most probably. Um, like okay. I I liked the the first Purge. Like I thought that movie was actually decent, but I did go into it as a someone who wasn't really a fan of the franchise. Um, but I definitely want to have a conversation with you about that specific subject when you watch the Forever okay. Purge. Cause, yeah, uh, which I think is actually pretty prominent throughout a lot of the Purge movies. Like, yeah. there's a pretty heavy class critique and, and absolutely like, critique of like white supremacy. Like, that, that's all very present, I think, in all of the movies. Yeah, no, I t- yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, um, yeah. So Candyman did it for me this year. That's probably like my favorite new movie of the year for sure. Um, and then also uh, Midnight Mass yes. blew me away. I crushed Midnight Mass in a couple days. I couldn't breathe in the second last episode yeah, the, like could not breathe i got that same message um, from so many people where it's just like i just oh. watched the set the the sixth episode and i couldn't breathe because it is like no. it will it's shot it's shocking and it's just so intense it's and so shocking. good and it builds the dread and the intensity so well like i i was on the couch like with my blanket like my blankie like chewing just like could not handle it and i thought it was so well crafted and i know a lot of people i think mike flanagan a little divisive in terms of people are like people don't talk like that nobody just gives monologues all the time yeah it's, it's like, a fucking movie it's art right yeah and it's art <laughs> but also when you have like hamish linklater like in that role you let the man give monologues oh absolutely so, yeah. yeah god the, yeah. the monologue i lo- that's my favorite part of the show is the monologues like especially the last oh, episode like yeah. nor- normally like and i'm not going to spoil anything for you boozy because that's one where i legitimately think like you will really love it when you get to it and it's not it's not like an intimidating watch either because it's only seven episodes What's it on Netflix? Again? Yeah, oh, it's I think on Netflix. I okay. think you'll really like Midnight Mass. Like it's it's definitely got some boozy isms in it, but it, it's just a beautiful. Well, show. I remember you talking about it before, and it sounds yeah, cool. So. Yeah, it's very yeah. good. But it's... Nor- normally, like I would want to throw up in my mouth uh, at monologues like the one in the last episode that goes on for like twenty minutes. But instead, yeah. it was just crushing every part of my body and my soul, and I was just like am I dying or am I being reborn? Am I like, I was just so emotional and I was, Oh my God, yeah, I was in tears. Cause, Cause there was so much happening around it. And yeah, I actually found myself tearing up when oh. I was in that last episode during that big monologue that people were making fun of. And again, at different strokes. Right? I but love that me, monologue. I think, and I think as somebody who like, who was raised a Catholic and is no longer a Catholic and somebody who's had their own interesting journey with faith as so many of us do. Um, I think that shows discussions around faith. Uh, around forgiveness around you know what it means to be human um, I, have I don't know I just thought it was I thought it was beautiful yeah. I thought it was beautiful I didn't 
it was almost as good for me as the haunting of hill house they're almost tied for that's me. exactly where like, i'm that's at. how much i liked it yeah that's where i'm yeah. at and uh, i know I, and i was saying it last week too where i was like i think this is mike flanagan's masterpiece because like i also like I, I i that's how i am it's haunting of hill house and midnight mass and i don't know how i forgot what his real masterpiece is and that's dr sleep like I love ah. Doctor Sleep, but and I was like, I have actually never seen Doctor Sleep, and I think I'm watching that. Tonight. Do yourself a favor. Yes, you're. Oh God, <laughs> it is so good. That's I like. That's the most I've ever seen a three-hour movie. <laughs> like I've seen that wow. movie so many times, and it's and I didn't like it the first time I saw it, and I don't know why, but now I think it's a masterpiece. Like I just I'm in love with it. It's so good. Wow. Um, well, I'm excited then. Excited to watch it. Cool. All right. Yeah. So Midnight Mass. That's another uh, very positive review for that. Boozy, do you want to give us another one? Sure. Uh, so this one, I believe, just came out this year, but it's a 2017 film. Uh, it's on, uh, gosh, what is it on? Amazon, I believe. Uh, so this is called Spore. It's from Poland. Uh, it's a crime drama slash horror movie uh, directed by, I'm probably going to destroy this name, but Agnieszka Holland. Um, and it's uh, adapted from a book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. <laughs> I like that name. This, wow. So this m- movie is very cool. Uh, it's about a, a woman in Poland who lives uh, alone with, she has two dogs and she lives alone on this countryside and she's uh, like an animal rights activist and stuff just starts happening within the small town and it turns into kind of a murder mystery whodunit and it's it's very interesting it's very beautiful uh a lot of times i wouldn't say this is a direct horror movie it, it kind of has more suspense elements in it but it also takes its time to really uh open up a discussion actually about about like hunting and uh ethical treatments of animals and that sort of stuff and it even brings in a kind of an element of of uh, like insects and stuff and they actually have like a, a botanist kind of person come in and you kind of learn stuff about like bugs that are there it, it's very it kind of goes on this weird yeah i do it went on this like interesting little side quest and it was it was very beautiful it was shot really well um it, it uh but yeah in terms of like horror elements it doesn't have a ton but i thought this was a, a fun little movie and it has kind of an interesting twist at the end so. what's it called oh, like, that sounds really how cool. do you spell it yeah spore s-p-o-o-r and it's it's got like a, a dog on the cover. It kind of reminds me of like uh, it comes at night kind of cover. So that's how they got you? No, actually, I saw someone review on Letterbox, and then I I just went and was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, cool. I just but it's won a ton of awards uh, in Berlin. So nice. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the cover there. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to checking that one out. That sounds cool. Um, awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I have two. Yeah, I have two more today. Uh, the one I'm going to knock off is Murder Party, which is the Jeremy Saulnier film. Uh, so this is. Oh yes, I've seen Murder yeah. Party. That's on Netflix still, isn't uh, it? No, it's on Tubi now. That's where I watched it. Is Tubi? It used to be on Netflix. But uh, Cassie, have you seen right, Murder right. Party? I have it, but I've actually added it to my list. And every time I almost, I almost get there, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm in the right mood for it. Although I don't know what the mood is, yeah. I just figure it'll it'll strike me, and I'll know. Totally, and it is one of those because like the cover of the film has a guy dressed up in like a box, uh, a night suit, and he's holding two chainsaws. And but yeah, this does like this comes from the writer director of films like Green Room and Blue Ruin hold the dark and he did a couple episodes of true detective like he's one of my favorite yeah. directors working right now one of my favorite writer so directors good. 
And I intentionally just, I also just never got around to seeing it, which makes me seem like a Fairweather fan. I don't know. Like, a, I, I <laughs> definitely, may, it uh, takes away points for being like a huge fan of the guy's work. But I had always heard that it's like absolutely nothing like any of his other movies. And I can entirely agree with that. Is that a bad thing? Not at all. It's quirky and fun. Totally. This is just like low budget DIY horror comedy filmmaking at its best, in my opinion. Like uh, the real horror doesn't come in until like the last 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, but the, the film, it stars uh, like Macon Blair is in that as well. He He's in all of, he's the lead character of Dwight and Blue Ruin. And he's in Green Room as well as one of the henchmen. Uh, but yeah, this movie, it uh, I was put on to it by our fr- my friend Diana Diana and Nick Humphreys. They both just love this movie. But uh, Diana was saying that's one of her favorite movies of all time. So I was like, hey, well, I got to see this. And uh, I watched it and I definitely wasn't disappointed. The synopsis of it is a random invitation to a Halloween party leads a man into the hands of a rogue collective intent on murdering him for the sake of their art, sparking a bloodbath of mishap, mayhem and hilarity. Um, so it's one of those ones <laughs> where comedy is subjective, horror is subjective. Uh, it's not right. going to land for everyone, especially people who are going in expecting Green Room or Blue Ruin. Like, this is not that. But I love knowing that this is where he came from. Like, it was so, so much fun for me to watch the, like, roots of this guy grow. It's kind of like watching Mike Flanagan and, like, watch if you watch, like, Oculus or Absentia something from early in his career and you can still see little little hints here and there um but it's really just someone trying to find their footing and like they're obviously going to go on to do much better things but murder party is just it's fun and i was like legitimately laughing my ass off at a couple parts near the end uh there's some violence in it that i don't know how you couldn't laugh at it uh, specifically to do with make on blair um so i definitely recommend yeah and like you so you see the little like hints of where this guy came from just where he began as a filmmaker and i really love the diy spirit of this one um so that's something that i really enjoyed about it but it was macon blair's prosthetics near the end of this film had me cackling Mm -hmm. like i was cackling (laughs) and also can you remember what the i know it had to have been a long time since you've seen it boozy oh dude it was like a year and a half okay because the oh i think he's in the dog like make on blair's or sorry uh jeremy saunier's dog is actually in the film and he has a really great oh hellhammer that's a the dog's name is hellhammer <laughs> uh some crazy shenanigans go down with him but uh yeah i was definitely i was a big fan of murder party so diana if you're listening thank you because uh yeah i finally got around to checking it out um yeah i really enjoyed murder party i recommend checking it out if you're looking for something kind of lo-fi um and sometimes you need to have that in the mix right like i i I was just looking at my list of all the movies i watched you know when you go back and forth between it's like oh i'm gonna watch this like highbrow refined you know (laughs) a24 offering and then you're like and then i just want to watch something just totally trashy and funny and ridiculous and i think that's that's the beautiful thing of it is like you just depending on your mood you can find something really perfect for it right yeah no i totally agree totally agree awesome uh cassie do you got a couple more you want to knock off do you want to have the malignant fight Uh, (laughs) we don't need to fight let's hear about it no fight um okay so you know i'm a james wan fan Mm -hmm. i just want to come right out james wan i'm sure he's listening and taking notes yeah um i love you so much uh here's my and even i'm saving the conjuring movies and the insidious movies for my weekend because those are just like my feel good 
horror movies. Right, right. But the thing about a lot of his movies is that the first two acts are great. They build suspense. They're kind of terrifying. They build moody, moody scenes. Like the man loves a craftsman house. Like it's just, I love everything about it. <laughs> he and loves his fog. He loves the fog. Like, and you know what? I respect the, I respect the filmmaker who respects fog. And then the third act comes in and you're just like, what is happening? What's happened? Who's in charge? No one's in charge. That's what it always feels like to me. And this was never more obvious than in Malignant because I just sat there and I had to pause it and went, what? Yeah, what like, the fuck? What is happening? What the fuck? And, what are we doing And see, that lives? feeling was what I liked about it, though. Like, I like how insane <laughs> it is. But I'm now talking to two people who uh, were malignant. Malig- malignant. So malignant. Yeah. Oh, my Boozy's a malignant as well. Oh. No, honestly, I, I, and here's the, it's like, okay, the Conjuring movie. I'm going to say Conjuring one. Um, the first one, there's, there's, it's so scary. Like I think about that scene where she claps her hands Mm -hmm. and those hands Mm -hmm. come out and clap. And like, I almost passed out. Like it was so intense because you can't see the monster. Like when the little girl's pointing yeah, Mm -hmm. and her sister can't see it. Horrifying. That is horrifying because the monsters that we can imagine in our brains are always scarier than what we see on screen and then the third act of conjuring happens and then there's just people in makeup that looks like it's like from a bad university production like you're like there's like a weird maid there's just like you know what i mean it's just it's i've seen my sister in that makeup in place like it's just there's something about it that goes wonky so i was kind of expecting that with his movie i was expecting that to happen with malignant except that <laughs> just went to a whole another level and and I was even I was even on board where I was like okay cool I'm you know what this is wild I'm on board I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you on this journey because I trust you and then there was the weird like matrix style fight yeah. in the cop station and I just yeah. I know you lost me you lost me at that point and I believe Zoe Bell is the is the stunt person yeah. on that, in that scene yeah. Yeah, and I love Zoe Bell. And she's like one of the best like stunt people out there who's working right now. And even that couldn't save me. It was just so like ludicrous. Like yeah. it was no, I can't. I nearly stood like the chair where... throw. What? You're not a big fan of the big old chair throw? No. We definitely liked it at the chair table. <laughs> it was mostly like I just sat there and just I just stared for a while and I thought like this is what happens when somebody who's made a studio a lot of money gets a lot of money and they're like you know what you don't need an editor we don't think you need it like we trust you and it's like no and they were right Spiel- <laughs> spielberg needs an editor man like everybody <laughs> needs an editor and i just yeah i just i couldn't i couldn't get on board and there were aspects of it that i liked i liked some of the conversations around trauma and all that kind of stuff but it just wasn't enough to to pull me in but i still paid the 24.99 to rent it anyway so i think my summary is is like i still love you james Wan. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I, I do like whenever those movies come along, too, though, where it's like everyone has such crazy different opinions about like something like that, yeah. especially when they have a when they already have an established body of work that we can all, you know, refer back to and think like this is all the good parts of James Wan and then the bad parts. And like for me, it's it's like I like most of his movies. Honestly, I think I think I like all of his movies except for Dead Silence. And I Malignant's one of my favorites now. <laughs> I fucking I'd rather watch Dead Silence than Malignant. Again. Watch Dead Silence again. I, 
no that i like dead silence i grew up with that okay. shit yeah and it's and good and again like and kind of what you were saying earlier it's like it's cool to go back and see where where these folks come from and mm-hmm. like even the same thing too with the first song movie like james wan i don't think he didn't direct it but he produced it, no right? he directed that one he did direct yeah. that one yeah and and was on the story too and it's like and that's and that's kind of it is like that third act just totally the things get blown open he loves that right and and i love it too but i think that's it is this just felt like Ex- i felt like he just was like i have this really weird story and everyone's like you know what fuck it it's covid things are wild right now let's do it <laughs> yeah, man. and he's like who knows right if on. we're gonna make it next year let's go <laughs> yeah so let's let's just do it while we have the chance so i think he did it I mean, I agree. I, I do like when a movie is so kind of breaks people apart like this because it tells you that at least folks had a strong reaction. I think that's better than no reaction at all. But they're at least watching. They're at least watching. But yeah, it was not it was not for me, but it didn't make me not excited for the next movie that he puts out. Mm-hmm. Let me just put yeah. it that way. Which will be Aquaman 2. Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I will be never, there day one. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I have one left. Uh, Boozy, do you have any left that you want to talk about? I Okay, so I have two, and they're both sequels to what we're watching in the main feature. So I don't know if you just want me to like tack that on at the end. Good or... for you, man. I, I can't believe you did the whole Slumber Party Massacre. Whoa, 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 wow. whoa. Don't give me too much credit. I didn't finish the... Well, I, I'll talk about it when I... When we, should I talk about it now? Uh, we can talk about no. it in the, in the main feature. Okay, okay. Um, don't give me too much credit. I'll come back to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last one I'm going to talk about, and then Cassie, if you want to say another one, feel free. But if not, we can get right okay. on to the main feature. But uh, the one I'm going to talk about is I finally got a chance to check out friend of the show, Brandon Christensen's latest movie, Superhost. Uh, so this movie oh. was written okay. and directed by Brandon Christensen. Shout out, Brandon. Uh, yes, yeah, super nice guy, very talented filmmaker. And uh, this one is with their, with their follower count dwindling. Actually, I'm just going to... I'm going to wing it. I should stop reading the IMDb synopsis. Uh, it's a pair, It's a couple of YouTubers who uh, have a channel where they basically review uh, like Airbnbs and they go into different places and they'll do, you know, quirky videos, the whole, you know, like and subscribe here, rate and review, blah, 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 uh, like podcasters. Um, so it should be no surprise that these characters are irritating. Like you're listening to a podcast right now. Like podcasters. Yeah, exactly. We, we are all fuckheads who think that our opinion matters. Um, uh, but that's. I laugh as the guest. Yeah. It's just like, I'm here too. <laughs> you're right. <Yeah. laughs> no, but I think that's, that's definitely something that Brandon was trying to, to talk about a little bit in this movie. And, uh, I think he did a really great job. This movie was set, set or like it was filmed during quarantine I know he had an even smaller set than we had for our short film and he did this whole feature. So absolutely like hats off to you, man. Like this is uh, it's a very impressive. There's an appearance from horror legend, Barbara Crampton, and she is in like the Sweet. most memorable part of the movie. I think that that's like that moment in that movie is what makes it totally worth a watch. Um, Cause this is one that's definitely not going to be for everyone, but it is, it's just a, it has a very twisted and memorable little twist near the end there that I really appreciated. Uh, I thought that the lead actor in it, um, Gracie Gilliam, she I thought she was tremendous. And it was her job to be just creepy and irritating and kind of unhinged. Have you seen this? Or um, is uh, that she plays the main, I guess, I don't know if you want to call her a baddie, uh, but she's the antagonist of this film. And uh, it's very she's a very strange character and i think that uh, like 
the strengths of the movie are definitely in that character and i think she did a really good job there's definitely things that you could compare this to movies like creep uh which i was a big fan of um have you seen this one cassie Superhost? i haven't but this, again, this sounds this really cool yet another one that i've like kind of you know you see when you're just scrolling and, scrolling mm-hmm. your, and it keeps jumping out at you so i'm glad i've written it down now to add to my list because it's i wondered about it and i try not to read too many reviews because horror is so subjective and divisive i would just rather experience those things for myself so totally and like i don't i think uh it it doesn't play into my my positivity for the movie knowing that brandon did this all during quarantine with like it was just when lockdown was eased up a little bit and he had a couple actors in a house like he had a location a house some cameras and a couple actors and i think he did a something really cool with it especially uh for someone like you just couldn't make movies for about a year and a half there <laughs> like it was yeah. it was pretty scary mm-hmm. so i think he made something that's uh that's going to be talked about for a while i think people are going to go back and they're going to find this one and uh, i just think it's another another really cool brandon christensen movie so that is super host cool awesome uh cassie do you want to tack on any other ones or do you want to just get on to our main feature uh, I think my last one, I've, I'm kind of focusing on on the big ones that came out this year, the big stuff, but that's, um, I rewatched a lot of my old favorite indie ones, but I know I've talked about some of that before, but uh, yeah, no, Halloween Kills, I was overall stoked on it. Um, like, I know I made a snarky remark earlier, because uh, I did feel like some of the the commentary was, was a little ham-fisted. Oh yeah, we definitely all agreed on that. Part. Yeah, um, although it was definitely powerful, I just, some of it felt really like just i don't know i, I don't know catch how to... phrasy yeah totally and this kind of i mean it, it to me the things i loved is i felt like that movie really paid homage in a thoughtful way to the original sequel um with a lot of the setup i thought that um it I loved what did it you it... think of the flashback scenes within that oh i loved that i thought that was so interesting like i did i didn't expect that like i tried not to mm-hmm. read any again not to read anything i wanted to see it i liked that i thought that was interesting um, I thought it was a good way to kind of orient the the viewers back into that original, like the original movies. Um, of course, I love the original; like it's one of my favorites. Um, and so coming back to this was really cool. And I like that they brought back all the kids, like the the original actors. Like I like the nurse was there. Like all of those things I thought was so so thoughtful and such a nice nod to to the fans. Um, mm-hmm. And but and yeah, of course it's like yeah, we can understand mob rule. We can understand how how folks can get caught up in the heat of the moment we can understand how things like people become you know like like the capital riots right you understand how exactly folks can can not listen to reason and folks can get wrapped up into some really horrible ideas and go and and cause harm towards other people now granted this harm is directed towards (laughs) a serial killer michael myers but the the idea is that people get harmed along the way right um but yeah it was just i wish they had just spent a little bit more time pulling that apart yeah. and having a little bit more of a nuanced conversation about that you, um, you know what's interesting about that though that i did so i didn't give the movie credit for this uh in our initial review because i hadn't thought about it is that that movie was filmed way before any of that happened and uh yeah yeah so like jamie lee curtis she she in a couple of her uh red letter media did a really funny episode <laughs> about uh halloween kills and they super cut a uh there's a an interview with Jamie Lee or Jamie Lee Curtis where she was explaining how this was all pre Black Lives Matter movement and then it like you go to the movie and it's like they're killing black people left right and center so like in brutal yeah. ways um so yeah. it is totally just like 
the there's only so much people can say like i felt like it was obviously pretty on the nose as well uh but it like the capital riots didn't happen when that when that scene was made when it was filmed and was written so that's actually kind of yeah that's all you can yeah, think that's about all i could think about yeah yeah and i and i think too it's it's tommy i mean looks like that looks like the kind of like archetypal like you know white dude like militarized <laughs> he's like gonna being... say something racist yeah, <laughs> yeah he re- i mean that's just like, maybe maybe the actor's a really nice person but that's all he looked like to me the entire time was like he looked like the dude who would have marched on the capitol he looks like True. the dude who yeah. marched in charleston and I, and I don't think that that was unintentional yeah um, and he's getting everyone that fired that really, up yeah absolutely and all you need is like somebody that folks feel like they want to listen to or, or the kind of voices that people are more inclined to listen to which is often like you know like white men with power and so i think that there was those parts of it were really really i think spot on and poignant but i just maybe i guess i just wish they'd gone further with it and then in contrast to what we were saying earlier with Candyman, I, I felt like Candyman had those nuanced conversations i felt like there was a lot more like explored through that where this was a little bit like yeah people and mob rule and like people go go wild in these situations it's like yeah but why like let's have that Mm -hmm. yes fear and and jamie lee curtis's kind of you know the the monologue at the end kind of summed it up but i guess i just wanted more from that but then at the same time i'm also watching halloween to watch halloween and i know a lot of people were really pissed off by the ending um, that I, I tried to stay off the internet until after I watched the movies and reading about how many people were so upset about the ending. I was like, the ending was classic Halloween. That was perfect. And it sets up the third movie that will obviously come out, right? So overall, I was I didn't love it as much as, the, as Halloween from 2018, um, but I, I did really, I did enjoy it overall. I was, I was glad to see it. Okay, cool. Well then, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds good. Let's, uh, do you guys want to get on to, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to like, transition into it. nice transition yeah it was a terrible transition <laughs> you know honestly you wanna, it's wanna... so nice to have more halloween kills people who actually enjoy it. yeah now it's nice it's nice to talk to some i people still gave it a positive it. review <laughs> it was disguised as a bad one but i'm not i know some people that were like oh my god this is the best movie of the year and it's like no no ma'am like it was not and there was a lot of problems with it but overall, I thought it stayed true to the essence of, of mm-hmm. Halloween movies. Um, and I read, I, oh, I feel bad quoting this because now I can't remember. It was a film critic online who made a comment about like anybody who was frustrated by, by the movie or the ending is just not a Halloween fan because fans have been frustrated for decades watching this series. And I, I wish I could remember the name of the critic, but that just resonated with me because like that's it. It's like you... This is the point is that Mike, you can never stop Michael, whether he's supernatural or not. It kind of doesn't matter. And and he is kind of that embodiment of fear. He is that embodiment of the boogeyman. Right. And I don't know. I thought if you step back and and I take my critical Cassie glasses off, it's a good movie. I, I did enjoy it. I had fun watching it. But there were things with it where I was like, ah, that felt that felt ham fisted. And I wish he would have gone a little further with it. But I get why they didn't. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. like you got to spoon feed some of these fucking audience members these days. Like that's why. It, well, well, no, they, they, well. and I'm not even saying that just about Halloween, but it's the same thing. Like the, the conversation about like uh, Candyman being like people saying it's ham fisted. I'm like, well, racists are very dumb. Like we have to, we have to break this down for them so that people know like they're talking about you. Like that is you. Um, but well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But even like when I think I, I didn't tell know if I told you this, but 
I think I mentioned this to you. I saw a screening, a midnight screening of the original Halloween movie oh. a few years ago. Okay. Um, in at the Nighthawk Theater in Brooklyn, and I hope the Nighthawk Theater isn't listening and like bans me. Right. But, yeah, you told me um, about this. Because they just have like the word pop up. <laughs> the God mentioned the Nighthawk. Yeah. And we went, and yeah, Eric and I were there, and we were so excited. It was a midnight screening of Halloween, and we're like, this is going to be great. And and the, the theater was kind of like, oh, we pride on our, ourselves on being different from the Alamo Draft House. Like, that's kind of their jam. And I was like, well, what's wrong with the Alamo Draft House? Because at the Alamo Draft House, you get kicked out if you talk. Like, you, you can't mm-hmm. be on your cell phone. Like, it's, it's the happiest place in the world, yeah. right? Like, people have to actually respect the movies when they go. And to be fair, I would say... Now, I'd had some drinks, but generally looking at the theater, I was Eric and I were probably two of the oldest people in the room, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, people our age, we don't go to midnight movies anymore like yeah. we used to, but we're on vacation. And the movie was playing, and I still genuinely find moments of Halloween terrifying, no matter how many times I've watched it. It yeah. just builds up dread. And this whole theater of, like, folks were just laughing. They were cackling. They yeah. were, like, talking over it. They were getting drunk. Like... They just kind of went to it as for like just a fun experience and not actually like background noise for them entertaining themselves. Well, then they think that they're smarter than the movie. Like that's the worst part about like those like classic screenings of like movie screenings of classic movies like that where people just assume like younger people and I hate to sound like a boomer here, but they do like just like (laughs) they have less respect for something because they don't know the full history of it and they don't understand the effect that it had on people back then. And while it might seem a little tame compared to what you're seeing now that we have fucking i know what you did last summer shows showing people getting pegged <laughs> like it's just people are going to get out of that <laughs> and like again not, nothing wrong with pegging yeah. but yes but it i know what you mean it's like if that's small. that's it i just I, I feel like it's important to note that uh, but but yeah, th- that's the thing that's frustrating to me. And then I find that it's like perhaps the same audiences are going and watching Halloween Kills and they're getting mad at the ending. And it's just like there's kind of a whole – I don't want to gatekeep horror movies because I hate when people do that. And I've experienced that so much I feel like just as like a woman who's a horror fan where I'm like, oh, yeah, I like horror movies. And there's always some dude who's like, well, then name every horror movie that's ever been <laughs> You know, like I don't like gatekeeping. But I do think it's like – you know, go watch these new movies, see what you think of them, but then go explore the old stuff. Like, understand, like, kind of, like, because the filmmakers were relying really heavily on a particular, not just the material itself, but the, the vibe of the material, the, the essence of it. And I think that's important to go in and explore, too. Yeah. And some of us had to see the opening of Halloween Resurrection, where Laurie kisses Michael on the lips and then gets killed. <laughs> some of us had to live through that. So, trust me, it could be worse. It could be worse. Moment of, si- <laughs> moment of silence for all of us that had to experience. That. Oh God, yeah, so awful. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, let's get on to our main feature conversation, where we are going to be talking about the Slumber Party Massacre original film and the remake from 2021. We'll see you on the other side. And welcome to our main feature in which we are going to be discussing both The Slumber Party Massacre from 1982 as well as the most recent remake, Slumber Party Massacre from 2021. Uh, But of course, we'll start off with the original. So uh, who wants to take it away? Who wants to to lead us into this discussion? I guess I can just say (laughs) the film was directed by Amy Holden Jones and it was written by Rita Mae Brown. 
and uh, the the writer Rita Mae Brown. She was an author and a feminist activist pe- who penned the screenplay, which was initially titled "Don't Open the Door," which was intended to be a parody of the slasher genre. <laughs> uh, and then film editor Amy Holden Jones and her cinematographer husband Michael Chapman acquired some of the fil- some they acquired some film and a few actors from the University of California to shoot a few scenes at their home for $1,000 in total. Amy Holden Jones then pitched the film to Roger Corman, who agreed to finance it himself. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Amy Holden Jones, she had to turn down a chance to edit E.T. for Steven Spielberg after Roger Corman agreed to finance this film. Uh, so I think that's where we can kind of kick off. Who says, who says no to the Spielberg? Poor girl, first of all. Uh, like... <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna like I'll just say right out the bat here I'm a fan of this movie I am a fan but like to be able to edit E.T. <laughs> compared to like I don't know it's a uh, it's pretty crazy well we ha- we have the advantage of of time passing to to be like why did you do that lady <laughs> well it's that and like yeah obviously she wouldn't have known like she would have known that Spielberg was a massive deal then but at the same time being able to edit one of his movies as opposed to being able to, you know, direct one of your own and one that has a lot of promise and like, you know, does a lot of things differently uh, than what was going on around the time, which mm-hmm. like, you know, 1982, there's some, this was the, this was the heyday of slashers. Like this was like the beginning of them really, it was just a little bit after the beginning of them becoming just like a cultural phenomenon in and of themselves. So, uh, what is your guys' history with the Slumber Party Massacre? Let's start with you, Cassie. Well, it's funny. When when you messaged me and asked if I could do this show, and it literally came across as, would you be able to watch both the original Slumber Party Massacre and the new one before Thursday? And, of course, I said yes. And then immediately <laughs> texted my best friend and said, did I watch Slumber Party Massacre with you? And she said, yes. And I said, Okay, that's the one with the drill, right? She said, all I remember is that we watched it together, which suggests to me that there may have been other things involved that evening. But I, I realized that I had almost no memory other than the drill. Uh, so it had been a really long time since I'd seen it. And this is kind of something that's happened to me as an adult. Um, I just, A, I have a really bad memory. Um, but I found that I've had to go back and rewatch a lot of movies that I watched when I was younger. Um, that maybe, you know, you were watching at a party or something, or you just weren't, you were too scared or whatever it is. You didn't really take it in. So it's, it's been kind of good to revisit. So I went back with pretty much fresh eyes because I had little to no memory of this movie. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's an experience. Uh, <laughs> I've never so slasher is not your, slasher films aren't your bread and butter they're not your they're not your and, passion. I, and I think everybody who knows me knows that I again no disrespect um I, I can appreciate them and especially the slasher movies that came out uh in the 80s as you said kind of that heyday uh are an important cultural touchstone for a lot of different reasons uh not all of them great <laughs> um and I think just watching it was just at first of all I put it on I was like this movie's only an hour and 16 minutes like this I forgot love it it's a breeze it to get through I love is. to see it it is and it dives in but um yeah and I think it was really there were some kind of funny moments and it really carried a lot of like those those classic slasher movie moments um but then also it's just like as a woman watching this movie, you're like, oh, yeah, this is why I don't watch a lot, a lot of the slasher movies out of the 80s, um, but which is why I enjoyed the remake so much, which we'll get to. But um, I mean, it's fun. It does the classic things that you want a slasher movie to do. 
Uh, but boy, oh boy, is it misogynist. And that's, that's where I'm leaving right now. <laughs> awesome. All right, Boozy, what are your thoughts? Have you seen this one before? I, okay, the whole time I thought I hadn't. And then when it, once it reached the, the shower scene in the school where, where the van's there and he's in the van, I was like, I've seen this. And, and then it just kept going from there. Um, so <laughs> I, I have seen this apparently. I didn't remember all the kills, so it was really nice to see some again. And I think that's actually one of the shining moments of this. It it has some fun, like, it, it, it obviously it does because it's, it's trying to rip off that sort of thing. But there's kind of an element of, like, some of the babysitter parts from, the, like, the original Halloween. Yeah. Of them going out and checking, like, in a different, you know, in the garage or whatever. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um I understand that, yes, it is a very misogynistic film and it goes way over the top with all that sort of stuff. But actually, I I think this is a super fun movie to get through. And maybe it is because it's only an hour and 16 as well. But once it gets going, it's just, yeah, it's basically just people running around a house screaming. Yeah. And I think it's it's a lot of fun. I, I don't think we get a lot... Once it, we'll talk about the the new one, obviously, but it, to say we don't get a lot of them and they just made a remake, yeah. we don't get a lot of like these like kind of goofy fun slashers in this way. We had like that for a little bit in the early two thousands, but obviously like the eighties was the renaissance of this, right. and I kind of like having that complete opposite. Maybe it is also just because we talked about Halloween Kills and watched that. That was such a more serious, grounded in reality movie. Versus this, where it's just, you know, Russ and his drill having a good time. Yeah. And they don't give you a ton of story to figure out why Russ is Russ, but it's I, not they important. didn't need it. They didn't need it. They, yeah. did, they didn't even fucking bother to, like, hide his fate. Like, the it's not even who done it. The drill is his dick. That's all you got to know. Yeah. He's the, the human embodiment of misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. what the whole genre, you know, like, that's the thing is the slasher subgenre in and of itself is, like, one of the most original unoriginal concepts since pornography and it is like pretty much very this is why like slasher movies are they're always treated so sleazy they they are sleazy is because they they actually do just feel like one step up from pornography (laughs) because you do look in this movie especially it's just like oh we're trying to find all the excuses we can to to show boobs and butts yeah. like that's just what we want to show boobs yeah. but butts and a bloodlust and not even and that's what and not even good are. pornography right it's not even a step up above good pornography it's like they're no. really bad like there's only maybe one or two people in this scene that are actually having a good time like this just is totally terrible right like that's <laughs> yeah that's it it's like just like the really bad like oh this is not how people should learn about sexual pleasure yeah that kind of that kind of pornography <laughs> I, I agree with you yeah well i know that's where me and boozy learned about sex was from horror movies specifically slasher movies so maybe that's why i'm so doomed <laughs> oh boy. I, I learned everything i knew about sex from watching starship troopers oh. yes yes <laughs> so so gentlemen i have some concerns and i have some links <laughs> and some folks i'm going to direct you to after the podcast and we'll get you yes. fixed right up i yeah, hope it's starfleet academy <laughs> on on first glance though this movie seems to be one of the worst of its kind for being like so like sleazy and exploitative and everything until you, in my opinion until you start really paying attention to what it's trying to do and i think that the intentions were there and they like that they were trying to subvert the whole they're they're making fun of all the all these slasher movies by being exactly like all of those other slasher movies and that's why i think that the movie like i'm a fan of it but i do think that this could have been better if they were able to go a little off their leash and be able to actually make a statement like obviously the director and the writer wanted to do 
Um, but that's the thing is like this is just classic male gaze perversion. Uh, it's literally at a slumber party. Like the slumber party massacre has it all <laughs> when you're looking for <laughs> those types of slasher movies. I was just thinking, like, you, back to what you guys were saying, too, though, is, uh, like, it being not good pornography is the camera work is so fucking disgusting and sleazy in this movie in, like, the way where, you know, in the, the shower scene where it's just panning across, looking at all the girls' backs, and then the camera, like, it doesn't even cut. It just, the camera guy goes down, starts focusing on the butt a bit, and it's just, like, it's impossible not to laugh at that now, and it's clearly is a, they're commenting commenting on slasher movies in that way but it's just so ridiculous and that's why i just i really can't wait to get to the remake (laughs) i'll I'll say that like i have a lot to say about the remake but i still think that this movie i think it toes the line between i think there are moments of this movie that could be compared to something and now don't shank me here boozy because you know me and you are both massive massive fans of this and it's a compliment to this i know you're gonna say it has some Black Christmas moments. Yep. Like this. That's, I think that's and why I like it, aside from the, I like like, it the too. goofiness. It feels like, and that's Russ Thorne, the, the character of Russ Thorne. I like that you know nothing about him and that he's just kind of this figure. And I like that you see his face and he doesn't have a mask or like, you know, he's not wearing a ma- mechanic jumpsuit. And there's like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with either of that. I, I'm, I worship the altar of Halloween. But this Halloween had already been done. At least they were trying something a little bit new with this. And I love the idea of the driller killer as just a... It's got a good like ring a to it, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also... It's just a comment on, like, th- this is just showing how shitty men are. And the movie was targeted for men. So it's like, like these movies were so broy, And it's like, these guys just... You want to go and see, like, hot girls naked get torn up? Well, like you, you literally are the killer in this movie, and I think that that like there's a whole statement to be said about like him becoming demasculated at the end, which they do in both movies by them cutting the drill in half, mm-hmm. and uh, like there's so much commentary and allegory in this movie that I just uh, I wasn't expecting. I hadn't seen it in such a long time, like I I barely remembered anything, uh, so I don't know. I I kind of really fuck with this movie <laughs> i had a yeah i honestly thought it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun maybe it's because we haven't watched anything from the 80s is kind of goofy like that mm-hmm. but yeah like uh, it, it is uh, fairly goofy through the whole thing because everybody's constant like nobody in real life would just all get together and be like guys let's just do a, a pillow fight right now we're nearly adults but let's just you know next like time every- i yeah. see you boozy next time i see you it's happening yeah we're having a pillow fight and i think that that i agree with you there was some things where at first i'm like oh my god here we go like classic like yeah like voyeuristic like male gaze yeah. bullshit you know and then <laughs> the little sister who is clearly the same age as all the other actresses <laughs> in the movie but is playing her voice to be like maybe eight years old sometimes and i thought like I, that has to be it feels a little satirical so i agree with you i do think and and yeah and i actually didn't know the history of that movie um and i think knowing that there was some attempt made there to have some nuance to say some things and then there were these really funny moments like i like the the pizza boy when they open up the door oh, yes. and his eyes are gone yeah. and then they eat the pizza anyway it's like that was hilarious to me <laughs> or the the fridge scene right it's so stupid yes. and kind of funny and so you get the sense that they they were in in the framework that they were in trying to do something and um like recently i had 
a discussion um, with my partner where we were talking about uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and for me, I had never seen that movie. I just had never kind of gotten around. It was one of those movies you just, you know what I mean? You just kind of, everybody's like, you got to watch this. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. It's but a real romp. Yeah, it's, it's a real feel-good movie. Um, and, <laughs> and I watched it, and I was so sick watching that movie. I was so uncomfortable. But yet, we were talking about how, like, in the time period that that movie happened, like, it, you don't get seven without that movie. You don't mm-hmm. get a lot True. of movies, right? Like, like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer walked so Seth, so David Fincher could run, right? Like, you have to have those movies that explore the killer, the the quote unquote evil bad guy. Um, you have to have those movies in order to get some of the things that we have now. And so, understanding at the time that that movie came out, it was a cultural touchstone because nobody had done that before. Nobody looked at the social determinants that had affected the creation of somebody like that. And I think that's really interesting. So for me, like thinking about this movie in 1982, a lot of of the nuance and some of the little satirical moments in it probably went over a lot of viewers' heads, but other people probably got some of the humor and what was kind of being said in there. But then it's still within that time period, that framework where you still Mm -hmm. had the male gaze and some of it seems like it was satirical. Some of it probably wasn't. It was just probably like, right. this is just the way we shoot women in movies. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was the same thing for me with like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I'm, I'm using that comparison because that movie was trying to say something. And it still was really, really voyeuristic and awful of, of like women's bodies. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like mer- women, the women were just simply like like discarded trash in that movie. And I think that that's what happens is that you, you kind of, if you want to look at something within that particular cultural time period that it's in, you got to look at the good and the bad and understand those things that shaped it. Like even having female filmmakers and writers at that time, they were still kind of put in this very limited square of a very male Hollywood and even more male horror movie boys club. Right. Right. Yeah. Which 100% happened here too, because they originally wanted it to be a parody. And then, I think that's why, like, it, they managed to still sneak in all of the little, like, yeah. the touches that they were clearly trying to comment on. Exactly. Um, but then they were had to treat it with a straight face because they wanted to make the next scary movie. And that's the thing is, like, the with the the killer in this one, Russ Thorne, like, there's so many there's so many comparisons that could be made to, like, even the, around the era of, like, Ted Bundy and characters like that. And um, the... the actor who played Russ Thorne, Mike, Michael Valella, he studied Helter Skelter, which is now obviously a defunct retelling of uh, what happened <laughs> with Charles Manson, but he was actually taking it so seriously, and I think that's why that portion of the movie actually works as like a scary movie, but then you're constantly being pulled out by the ridiculous choices that they're making by eating Yeah, he's pizza. like a foil for yeah. the comedy, honestly. He's not, totally. a, he's not a great actor, also, I think, is kind of part of it. So it's like he, he was trying to be really serious, which is what I found so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something that we'll touch on in the, the remake as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I will it's throw just... in my, my two cents about, uh, I guess, the portrayal of women in this film and throughout the 80s is just just with the period it, it was in is that was also trying to be more of a selling point is you could get more butts and seats that way which a lot oh, of producers sure. yeah yeah roger and, corman it, exactly and it's, roger corman's been doing that forever and it's tried tested and true it's why he's still doing it today um but i but i guess the the thing i will say is that i i think it probably it got a lot more people even if it wasn't like oh this is 
isn't a good horror movie is like you're like there is a demographic of especially at this time there's a demographic of boys who have no access to the internet or anything do, do you know what <laughs> i mean like i'm not trying internet. to yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like i'm not trying to be crude but that that also is part of it and yeah they have a lot of it in this movie but it is because you're gonna get a ton of people out there to watch it and you know like a lot of the guys would be like oh okay that was that was another reason for horror movies always having stuff like that is there was always like we'll throw this in to get more guys out yeah. stuff like that yeah so. how many how many times did demon knight get rented from the video store <laughs> oh. yeah exactly and it, yeah. It's just stuff like that and so it's like it's littered throughout this but I, yeah. I do agree that like in terms of the actual slasher stuff i i think there actually is some good stuff in there and i, I actually do feel the light comparisons to Halloween or not Halloween to Black Christmas, Black Christmas in a way and and just kind of that like where is Russ what is he doing and I also kind of like that I, I liked the portrayal of Russ in this even if he maybe wasn't a good I just I felt like he didn't really have to do that much yeah I, I think even somebody like like whoever you know is playing the shape at any given point has to have a little bit more into that where Russ kind of do you guys remember dramatic look gopher Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think it, so. It reminds me of like that. The, he'll always, especially in the, the remake, he, his head turn is like dramatic go for the whole time. Yes. That's all I could think about. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> well, and I think, and that's it too, is that the, the final girl standoff, it's not just one girl left, right? There's, there is a exactly. little bit more kind of happening. And as you pointed out, like you did, Mitch, is that like the, if the drill is this phallic symbol, I mean, they cut it off. And there's, so you can see yeah. where these little like, again these like the writer and, and the filmmakers when they were trying to do that there were these commentaries happening and i think that's what mm -hmm. made it like when I, again i will admit i first started watching it, i was like folding laundry i was like i just need to get through this and then kind of got like pulled in where i was like this is fucking ridiculous and then of course you have those moments where you're like oh yeah here we go yes because that's what we do at slumber parties we all just take our clothes off and you know but then they would have these other moments where it's like oh, this is quite smart. This is quite funny. This is like, there is that nuance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's again, it's that constraints within the time period of when it was made, but it has these kind of fun moments and these and these smart moments where they did try to do something a little bit different. And I, so I, I guess overall was like, well, this movie's like super misogynist because of that time period. But also I, I, I'm glad I watched it. I did have fun watching it. What did, what does Russ say at the end? Is it, he's like, I love you. What does he say? I can't, in both of them, he's, he doesn't talk until Wasn't the very you're end. Pretty? Isn't it? I thought it was, you're pretty. Yeah. But he, I remember him saying something about, he's like, I, you're pretty. I love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which seems like he just, he, it's, it, it kind of makes it seem like he broke in just to give them compliments. Well, I think that I wonder if that's where some of that, the parody and kind of the nuance was coming in exactly. about this idea that you kind of have this like, oh, he's just giving them a compliment. Oh, he just really thought they were beautiful and admired them. And it's just that was almost kind of a like, no, 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 not acceptable. Like, yeah. <laughs> like maybe he maybe he was like the original archetype of an incel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Russ, True. what the fuck, dude? And I, I hate to bring this show up again, but uh, Cassie, have you seen You? Yes. The TV show You? There's another show that I just like, I hate watching can't help myself. That, that's another one though where like uh the conversations muddled with like people and it depends where what point you're at in your life where like there i remember there were people who were debating that he was romantic in that show because he was so like he was stalking them and everything and yeah. it's the same thing that could be said about this like how he wants to give them compliments and he actually just loves them yes. but it's like so was he kind of a sweetheart it's like no he's an incel right like, and, that, and and pen bag bagley oh, i can never say his name probably pen bagley 
actually came out after the first season of you and was like so i feel like i need to remind people that my character is not a good person like this is yeah. not, this is like he's he's like the hannibal lecter he's the, he's the bad guy that you're like this person is not a good person but i'm gonna cheer for him because he's the protagonist but it's like mm-hmm. but let's not reflect this as yeah. being a good person yeah yeah that's funny that's an interesting comparison i, I don't think you're off there actually yeah, it was just fresh in my head because I know uh, Kyle was talking about you the other day and like it, yeah, it just made me think of that while I was watching this movie. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this one, as far as slashers go, and I'm a big fan of slasher movies, like I, I for all the good and the bad, warts and all, I'm a fan of slasher movies. But I think what makes this one stand out is how it does have those earnest, creepy moments like Black Christmas, but then it also has the smut of a Friday the 13th sequel. Yeah. Like it's, it's just really. Yeah. through and through a true-blooded slasher movie right and uh definitely ripe for a remake yes and and you take it for the time period that it came in you understand i think you if you want to understand what people are afraid of or what they were trying to explore even the point you made boozy about like you know when before we had access to the internet like how are we kind of exploring some things in our fantasies and that kind of stuff it's like understanding how where something comes from at a particular point in time tells us a lot about where we were as a society and so when there's a remake then it tells you a lot about the folks that grew up watching those movies and how we felt that is very and yeah and it's kind of how how we're bringing these stories into a whole new uh basically like an entirely new world the difference between the 80s and now or even like the the, you can even look at 2010 and go the difference that the world has made strides in is so much so yeah it is kind of fun seeing that yeah although we have mentioned before this is completely different uh part of that but like technology also ruins a lot of these things where they have to like put all the technology stuff in there but i do like that that the world views are changing so much and we're getting this these ideas just crafted a little bit differently except for i know what you did last summer fuck that show yeah no we're not we're not a fan of that show this uh, this is the official statement (laughs) from the terror table as somebody who's not on the terror who's not part of the terror table but in spirit but i you know it's funny you say that with like special effects and practical effects is that like it's like I said, that, that kind of earlier, that era where you had the, the really focus on 3D and all those really bad, like, it was just such a heavy focus on CGI. Um, one of the reasons that I love Train to Busan so much is that almost the entire movie is, like, practical effects. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some CGI moments, but they're done so sparingly. And and, it, and that will hold up. It's like, even going back and rewatching The Thing, which I watched a few days ago, and of course I know y'all are big fans of, but, like, that movie yeah. holds up. I just I was talking to uh, my, one of my business partners, Alex. He just rewatched it, and he, and he said the same thing. This holds up because even though it's it's older practical effects, it's it's still it gets to you, right? And so sometimes I kind of like going back and watching older movies that don't have a lot of the CGI stuff, like a movie like this one, because it's it's fun and it reminds you of like just how creative filmmakers had to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I really love about the slasher genre. It's like there's so many it's just like let's find the most creative way we can kill a person for the cheapest amount of money (laughs) and sometimes and it'll it's just purely reactionary and it's beautiful it's fun it's a it's a good time at the movies absolutely um so awesome do you guys have anything else you want to add on the original slumber party massacre before we move on it was a fun time for me i'm I'm happy i got to watch it again yeah it was great to revisit um i'm wondering do do either of you know like was this a box office hit did it was this one of the yeah it made a ton of money yeah, yeah, it did. Horny That's boys. What, uh, the whole I audience d- was horny boys. Hey, I'm probably, I'm yeah. horny gals and other folks. You never, That's like, true. you That's never true. know, trying it's to true. explore. Yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, we just we always our brains revert to that because we were those horny boys, Boozy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I put myself in the in the shoes. I'm like, uh, I would be the horny boy there. You know what? There were a lot of lot of us gals too who were like, we wanted to see some other boobs too. So you know, it was a it was well, a whole mix. And it's it totally a thing where it's like you, especially when you're at a younger age, where it's like I've never really seen anything, and not having the internet, I can't even imagine like you have to go out to find that information. What if what if you just thought everybody had tramp stamps? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But but you. Our generation was all the kids who are like rewinding American Pie oh, yeah. and rewatching oh, that totally. one scene over and over again. Yeah, and and again, it's like we we learn a lot about ourselves watching movies, right? We learn a lot about things, and I think that that's we all as much as we I know we can all probably point back to like the first time you watched a horror movie as a kid that just like completely ruined you. Like you had like your giver moment where it's like life changed for you forever. Mm-hmm. Oh it's yeah. It's like there yeah. was I can also have those memories of like part of some of those horror movies was watching like sex scenes or like I can remember being in in uh god I guess it would have been elementary school I'm dating myself now but when the movie Fear came out with Reese Witherspoon oh Mark Wahlberg oh. punching himself in the chest oh, and Reese god. getting finger banged on, on the, the Ferris on wheel the, on the roller coaster thank you very you wouldn't much. believe how many times that's been mentioned on this show <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know what's so funny to me is just as you were talking about the movie you i was i was scrolling through netflix last night i couldn't sleep so this is horrible sleep advice but i always have my ipad by my bed and i'll put on like just some trash movie i've watched a million times to fall asleep to and i was looking through like, like fear, ro- yeah, fear. <laughs> but i was looking through romantic movies and fear was in there oh my <laughs> netflix, god I thought, it's a different no, kind of romance this is not romance yeah. this is you want to talk about misogyny this movie is so unhealthy in terms of relationships but but yeah it's like but watching that was like a bit of a sexual awakening like these these movies especially yeah, those totally. like the, the 90s remake of the slashers that came out there was a lot of that kind of really the slick like kind of sex fueled themes in there too and so it's yeah you just and you're kind of coming of age and you're figuring things out you're like i'm supposed to be scared but there are boobs and it's a lot happening <laughs> we said it before but uh, on this exact episode but we'll say it again boozy fist bump to starship troopers i was actually gonna say like that's that's no word of a lie like starship troopers so i, I understand why i wasn't allowed to watch it for the first couple of years <laughs> That's a great place to end off on. Let's move on to the <laughs> <Yes>. remake here. <laughs> now that we've talked about our sexual awakenings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, it's good to recognize that for a lot of people, oh, totally. I think you're right. Like things happen and they were like, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel okay about this or not. Or a lot of think a lot of, you're coming out of the eighties and nineties and people still felt a lot of shame and still had a lot of those messaging around sex. So maybe it's good that we're having better conversations now. Uh, all right. Well, let's get on to slumber party massacre from 2021. Uh, this one was directed by Danishka Esther Hazy and was written by Suzanne Kelly. Uh, so this is one that I had no idea that they were even remaking the slumber Either, party yeah. massacre. I think a lot of people had no idea. And then for me, I found out about it through the film festival. We're going to be playing it this year. Uh, and there's going to be a live Q- or I don't think it's live. I think she's just going to be doing Zoom Q&A, but with Danishka Esther Hazy yep. uh, calling into the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. So I don't think that that's announced yet, but I don't think John's going to be mad that I said that on here because like it's for sure happening. Um, and that's next month. So I'm looking forward to seeing this movie again on the big screen and talking to the director because I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I, uh, this one blew me away. Like I, uh, I had no idea what I was walking into. I saw a couple of reviews comparing it to black Christmas from 2019. And I think that you couldn't be further off. Nope. 
Um, like this, have did you watch Black Christmas from 2019, Cassie? I never watched Cassie? the remake. I've only watched the original. I just, I think I, sometimes I get into like really, as much as I said, I don't want to gatekeep. I get into little pissy moods where I'm like, I'm not watching the remake. And then you go and watch the remake. You're like, that was actually fine. But I, I just never got around to the 2019 Black Christmas. Yeah, it's just, I know that's one that like we took, uh, I, I wouldn't say we even took key for it, but like people just generally were acting like you're basically a misogynist if you don't like that movie or what they were going for and it wasn't meant for you. And it's like, no, that was just really bad storytelling oh. and really bad filmmaking well, I'll, I'll all across the board. I'll watch it at Christmas time and report back. How about that? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to put you through that. <laughs> Talk about something where it's like Slumber Party Massacre knew the fucking point they 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 like and i know that that's coming from some male who runs a horror movie podcast here but like the message was so clear in slumber party massacre what they were going for and i think that they exceeded at every single turn that they took it what took with it and i think this is one that's going to go down in history as like one of the better remakes and especially just being a really fun campy ridiculous ride of a movie it's got it all in my in my mind like all the the kills are amazing i think the guy who played russ thorne was perfect he looks like just like he's permanently stuck in cover photo uh image like you know yeah. the the cover of the movie it's like he's just always walking yeah, he was dramatic like hamstring yeah yeah there you go and um yeah I, I just think that this movie like i i love the genre for all of its its smut and glory and just the the fun factor um, but I think this is one of the best, one of the best modern slashers that we've gotten in a really long time. It, it had something to say and it said it in the funniest fucking way. Like I, I was losing my mind at so many moments in this movie. So I definitely blew my load right away on this one. I'm going to pass it off to you guys because I want to hear what you guys think of it. But I wanted to come out hot in saying that I'm, I'm a fan of this movie. <laughs> Cassie, let's hear what you got to say about it. You know what? Um, I I agree. I had a hoot watching this movie. My favorite was the message you sent me, Mitch, where you're like, listen, I don't want to influence you. And then just like completely tried to influence me. And I thought, no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And of course, like the movie starts off where you're just like, oh, wow, we're just really doing the remake. Hey. And then back of my mind, I thought, no, there's got to be something coming. There's got to be something coming. Yeah. And then when that twist happened and it just flipped everything on its head, I was cackling. I was just, I loved it. I loved everything about it because they set it up so perfectly where I was like, no, like folks in 2021, like we're not just getting into our pajamas still. Like this is not a thing that we do. And then like they had these little moments where it was like maybe a little bit of queer baiting again. I thought, oh no, like this movie's falling into all these awful tropes. And then it just, but then they comment, and on, they it. comment on it and they just yeah. flipped everything on yeah. its head. And there was so just that level of it was beautiful i loved it. it was like a call and response like just so perfectly set mm -hmm. like and yet they pulled in all those fun moments from the original they pulled in the silliness of it um but then did yeah. it with set decorations <laughs> even like the space baby shirt yes totally <laughs> and i i think what i like too is that they were they were so it was so campy and they were very aware of the camp and for me it's like when you're in on the yeah. joke it's it's a lot more fun for everybody and um, I loved the group of, like, the dumb boys who were having the pillow fight. Like, it was just so funny to me. 
the guy the opening to that pillow fight is one of my favorite oh, things God. in like cinema recently <laughs> like where it just cuts and he's like trying to rip the pillow and he yeah. can't he's like it's fucking hard you know hard. so much of that and then of course like the the kill scene in the shower was so like oh god it, it, it almost mirrored it almost mirrored the actual cinematography of the side to side and up and down like you described of of the women but, yeah but then it goes to the males but yeah. and it's like it's so funny thinking about like all the people who would have like imagine all the like little horny boys and girls uh <laughs> and <you>. people <laughs> who were just wanted to go see some boobs or something back in the 80s and imagine if they got that like we're yeah. just an erotic ass yeah. shot of like this jock yeah. who's just ripped yeah and it's like and how many of them like some of those horny people maybe secretly really wanted that and didn't get to get it and oh so, totally like, yay. and but i think what was so interesting to me is that obviously the filmmakers knew that was funny that we were going to laugh at a dude getting a close-in shot like that. And why do we laugh at that? Because we're not used to it. So I liked that too, that there was a lot of like having the dudes take their shirts off for random moments for no reason. Like so much of that where it's like, it's funny because we're not used to that, that flip in terms of gender roles. So I thought that they really, and I love that they just, you know, I know I was arguing for nuance earlier and this one, it's like nuance didn't make sense here. It was like, it had to be in your face. It had to be right. Uh, camping on top of it. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was the commentary on true crime and kind of the true crime, like how much we, we're just like so into true crime as a society right now. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. guilty of it. Um, and of course, as we all know, uh, and you folks as podcasters, is that some, some people do it well and some people don't do it so well. Mm -hmm. Boozy, aren't you a Bruce MacArthur pen pal? Who? <laughs> You guys don't know Bruce MacArthur? He's the the guy in Toronto who's basically John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah. Who oh was, my god! Oh, yeah, the guy who like planted people in in tree planters yeah, and shit. It's a, it's a yeah, horrifying. see, that was a very off color, poor taste joke that I wanted to implicate Boozy in on and saying that he's a pen pals with him. See, if we had like mentioned <laughs> they're gonna get married, before, I would have been like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! But I had no idea who. This so was like, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's like. No, but yeah, because that is a part of our culture, too, where people want to have like they want to have these conversations with actual killers yeah. and like they want to meet these people. And th because they're so full of themselves that they think that they can have some form of effect on someone's life. Who's that? Right. Twisted. Or they're so focused on. Um, and this is something even I remember when it was. Um, oh, what was the the movie about um, Ted Bundy that came out with Zac Efron in it? Extremely Wicked, Shockingly yeah. Evil, and Vile. and Zac Efron, very similar to, like, Penn Bagley, who had to make the comment, Zac Efron was like, y'all, like, no, this is, a, they like, they cast Zac Efron because Ted Bundy was a good-looking, he was a good-looking white man with a ton of privilege, and that's why he got away with it now, because he was smarter than everybody wasn't else. Wasn't Zac Efron hot, What? Though. And I'm like, I'm a fan. He wasn't like, I'm a fan of that movie, but holy fuck, Zach Efron is inhumanly attractive. He is inhumanly so like... attractive. And we all know this. And we, but that's why he's so perfectly cast, right? But that's it is that people, there's a lot of true crime out there that gets really so into the nuances of, of the murders and the actions and the stories that the victims themselves are lost and, mm -hmm. we, and we don't talk about them. And so well, it's like the edgy people who wear Charles Manson shirts because they think that it's like, I like true crime, yeah. but it's wearing a fucking psychopath on your shirt and basically glorifying him by doing that. You're just trying to be an edgelord and like nobody cares and nobody's interested. Yeah. A, a personal opinion. But like, no, like to me, it's like that's that's not interesting. And I think what's interesting in this movie is that 
they comment on that. They have these dudes who are just like, yeah, we're following in his footsteps and going all these places. And then you have the, the young girl, the main character, who's the final girl kind of archetypal, though obviously there's a lot more final girls in this movie, who's, all, who's continuously reminding people that like, no, people died. No, my mother was the only one who survived. Like she's reminding like who we should actually be paying attention to in these stories. So I thought that was a really interesting commentary as well on kind of the true crime, you know, craze that we have in society right now is that so much of it doesn't actually think about the victims beyond, I think, actually a super voyeuristic, exploitative way of looking at it, which isn't so different from what slasher movies have done to women's bodies and, and people's bodies for so long. So I actually loved that they, they had that commentary in it because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I love that element of it. But Boozy, I'm so sorry that we got so carried <laughs> away. Okay. So it's, it's good conversation. <laughs> that's, that's what it's haven't all about. I haven't even heard what you think of the movie. I, I know that you liked it because you put it on your Instagram, but yeah. I want to hear. So tell, tell the people, what are your thoughts on Slumber Party Massacre? Honestly, this was a huge surprise. I didn't expect it to be bad. But it took all the the most fun parts uh, of the first one and and updated it and brought it to us now. And the the comedy is smart. The yeah. you know the, obviously like you guys had, had mentioned so much about um, you know like the message and a lot of the the um, what would it be what would it be called the the objection to kind of how how usually these sort of you know how usually these slashers would kind of go and and doing the reverse of it and i, I love that like you were mentioning cassie about the, like the the guys just randomly taking off their shirts i i love that they're literally like golden retrievers this entire movie all of them are just golden <laughs> yeah. retrievers they're they're just so happy to be oh, I hit the mic. just so happy to be near people and yeah they'll just randomly like oh, i'm gonna take my shirt off i i thought that was that stuff like that was great i i love that that the everyone in this was for the most well i guess honestly the guys were pretty dumb in this but but all your your main female characters were, were so smart anytime they what they did something dumb was by design and and i love that that it's a, a, a continuous like and i think for as an audience I'm, i know the first time when i watched it or when i watched it last night i was going like oh i hope they don't switch a again right. to make this really serious because they've added so much uh humor to it but they did it in such a, a great way i like that they did like a double switcheroo basically yeah and you as an audience went with that you didn't you know i wasn't objecting when it got serious but then to have it come full circle again and go you know because it, it does change uh it changes gears when you when you have russ chasing our, our main actress and she goes into the house and you think that she's gonna get killed right there with the you know and just going on from that it gets serious and then yeah to have the the character consistently have to remind everyone else even as an audience but in the movie that like hey there's victims of this like this is it's it's funny and stuff but we should probably actually kill this guy yeah and, and i yeah. love stuff like that and i and i love the whole um playing on okay you watch his body and and then them the, you know them yeah. not doing that or, or having even yeah like i liked how the girl came out after russ was dead and just stabbed him like 30 times <laughs> i love that yeah, yeah and it, she it's, starts, you hear her yelling from afar yeah, yeah. and that's that's just good to, comedy timing stuff and, and i think a lot of that is really fun i i love that at one point the guys when they're they're spying on them in the cabin they're having a towel fight yes and i was like that would oh yeah hurt <laughs> what yeah. are they doing yeah um yeah the shower scene was great even the music like fit perfectly yeah. i loved that whole thing um 
we haven't even mentioned some of the cool kills in here. I think, and it's something I've thought about before, but that f- the the there fan blade kill was really good. Oh, I hated I think that. that. Oh, it was so gross. I, yeah. I, and it's it's something I've thought about before, so it's so smart, you know? Yeah. Like when you're going to They sh- do it in Leprechaun 2. <clears throat> do oh, they? That wa- oh, yeah, okay. that's Okay, cuz I was sitting That trying- was the moment yeah. that I knew I I, I knew that if I were ever to be in a horror movie that I would die <laughs> after seeing that part because it was Leprechaun pretending he was imitating a woman, a topless woman, and he was luring this guy in to put the guy's face in her breasts. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to what's actually happening and it's two fan blades instead <laughs> of boobs. Um, I, Leprechaun 2 is a masterpiece. Did, I, did you guys, no did you guys notice I... There was like James Wan levels of fog in this movie. Yes. A lot of there was a lot yes. of a lot haze, of fog. baby. You gotta you gotta <laughs> pump that haze in these horror movies. But there were these yeah. little moments where it was like like a tribute, like the fact that it, at the at the end with like it was the mom, it was James's mm-hmm. mom coming back, right? And I loved that, and, which was very like Friday the Thirteenth, right? And the fact that it was on the lake totally. and all of that. Yeah. I thought so much of that was like that, these nice yeah, little that feels nods. like a big head nod. Yeah, yeah, totally. The best the best way, like the way I would pitch this movie to people, because I know there's a lot of people who actually like I've talked to a few now who said that they hadn't planned on checking it out because they assumed it was going to be dog shit. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, I I did too. Like, I thought, I thought like, when I heard they were making a slumber party, ma- like, when they had one out, it wasn't until John Allison told me that he's like, no, this is actually awesome. Like, you should look at it. And, like, I saw a bunch of Letterboxd reviews that were, like, one star. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I trust John. I trust that there's at least going to be something here. And the way that I would pitch it to people is – like it's a little bit Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is one of the most beloved horror <laughs> comedies of the last couple decades. It's a little bit Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but it's all Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's just that original, but with like the updated little twists and turns, and then it's got the Tucker and Dale humor and um like the energy. It's just it's so fast paced. I think it's better than the original. Like that's yeah, that's I, I, I do like, too. I think it's it's a lot more. Um, fun for everyone I, th- I think there's just there's more fun to be had than it I, I like that it, it turns kind of into I know they both turn into siege movie, but this one feels more like a siege movie when yeah. it gets to its last act um and and then sorry I have one other thing I want to mention because I don't know if anybody noticed it two things the pizza every piece of pizza in this movie looks like shit yes these people <laughs> need to noticed. learn how to order something other than like the thinnest uh like cardboard with cheese on top ever that's all it looked like and I'll also yeah, mention they got to take a they got to call the ninja turtles and yeah. find out where they get their pizza <laughs> and and then the the other thing is the the stairs everybody trips i was calling it the haunted stairs oh, after a while because it was that. like of course if they show them walking near those stairs you're gonna trip on them oh, there yeah. must be like a nail you, or something yeah. did you notice they zoom they zoom in though every time someone trips yeah. and like that's why and it, that's the other thing that they do in this movie near the beginning where like the i think it's when the first male gets killed which was also that's where i became like i was just so on board was when there's like the jock standing outside the window and all the the girls are inside the cabin and they're he's like being a voyeur and being gross and it looks like he's about to start masturbating oh that's what i thought he was doing yeah oh yeah Yeah. he was going to okay but then he sees russ thorne from across the across (laughs) the living room he's like who's this pervert like (laughs) i love that because it's so much male justification like it it was it was so brilliant and uh and then when yeah when he gets killed and watching like we've seen how many slasher movies like i'm a huge slasher fan how many times i've seen women just like constantly falling and then like 
almost getting up and then falling. It's just like, hey, come on. Like, you you know how to walk. You know how to run. <laughs> Watching the dude do that was so funny. Yeah. And, like, they they do that intentionally. They zoom the camera in every time. It's like they tripped over nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They made, they <laughs> there was made nothing them the there. damsels in distress. And, again, the, the thing that it's so funny because we're not used to seeing men do that in movies, right? We're not used yeah, to seeing men totally. be the damsels in distress. So that's part of what makes it so funny. But then underneath, it's kind of this, like it's 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 really i don't know i don't know if i have the word for it. i don't want to say it's uncomfortable i think for some people it probably yeah. is a little bit uncomfortable uh watching men not be the protagonists be the saviors like when the girls go to save them and they're like we're trying to save you like you idiots. I, I like how they're afraid yeah. of the girls because they see all their weapons all the weapons and they have like a guitar and like <laughs> like a stool leg they have the pink guitar the pink guitar and i think that's it is that it seems they're the, they're made to seem so stupid and it's so funny and they're tripping yeah they forget how to walk and do all that but again it's funny and the reason it works is because for so long we've just never seen men in that role but if we saw women in a movie tripping and falling over themselves it's just kind of normalized for us so that's what i liked about is that if you really sit and think about it it should make you a little bit uncomfortable about like why do i find this so funny it's like because we don't see it but that's what i think is the beauty of this movie is that they really there is no stone left unturned in terms of the comments that they are making and i I love that I also really like that they had the callback to, like you guys had mentioned, liking the, which I also like, the pizza delivery guy. Yeah. I like that they had that kill with with a different character. It wasn't yeah. as cool because he wasn't standing up. I thought that was kind of the coolest part of the pizza guy. Yeah. But I did like, I was like, oh, okay, I've, I've seen this in the first one. I like that they threw in the, the double eyeball kill. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if I had one one critique of this movie for me is that I did feel like when it did kind of start to get, like when it really picked up and we kind of got to like that third act, that climax, where it did start to, like I said, kind of feel like a siege, then it felt like suddenly our, our lead actresses, like our, our final girls started making some silly mistakes. And I mm-hmm. kind of was like, yeah. oh, like, and I didn't quite feel like we ever really got a rationale for that. Maybe it was just to like raise the stakes a little bit. And at the end they still win and, and, you know, and then I love that the mom comes back and, like, is part of that. And she gets that kind of, like, there's this little comment on trauma over generations. And, right, like, yeah, it was you know, like a redemption yeah. moment there. And so I loved all that. But it felt like I, that was probably my only critique was, like, oh, these girls are so smart the entire time. And then they kind of started making mistakes. And so, and it didn't really seem like it did anything other than just to get us right. to take it more seriously. So that'd be my only critique. But it's, like, it's not something I would bring up even to the director because if i ever got to meet her i'd just be like i just want to hug you thank you for this right. offering you know but, that, I, I but kinda, that was my only critique i think i kind of chalked it up to kind of how we had discussed about with like laurie and and the eight, halloween 18 where it's kind of uh, kind of like as prepared as you can be kind of uh, that's how i look at it is like in their that situation they've seen some people die i know it's supposed to be like goofy and funny but like these characters are trying to preserve their own lives. So I, I think maybe that that's kind of how I looked at it. But yeah, you kind of, you needed something. Mm-hmm. That and they also like, it, it all starts becoming kind of real where they are actually facing off with a yeah. like, crazy lunatic right. who might not just be a complete idiot. And it's like, oh, like they, they weren't able to just run a train on them. Like no matter how smart they are and how prepared they are, it was just kind of like everyone needed to, every, everyone's going to, no one's going to know exactly what you're going to do when a drill comes flying yeah. at your face. True. Right. The only thing I wish, I wish that it would have been a corded drill because that would have been super funny <laughs> if the co- he was dragging the cord around. I, <laughs> I, I an extension cord and like a the... power bar. 
I was thinking about like looking at his drill even. I was like, oh man, the battery life on that thing. Like that'd be like the behind the oh, scenes yeah. is Russ has all these like batteries plugged like, in, plugged all these, like, in DeWalt's it. DeWalt's yeah, all the DeWalt charge. chargers in like various places throughout like yeah. like the campground. Yeah. I also yeah yeah <laughs> i also like that at the start of this film when they do do the 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 uh flashback or whatever they go through that whole thing i like that it was had a couple jokes in it but also was fairly uh violent yeah. but i also like how they kind of uh talked away russ because they, they kind of ask like well you know do you think he survived or what happened to him and one person just said maybe a bear ate him yeah, that was just, yeah. <laughs> that they just like nobody really cared it's like oh the driller killer is gone yeah yeah and I think unlike uh, our our favorite current show, I Know What You Did Last Summer, I thought this movie mm-hmm. was like, if you were going to diversify, they did it in a meaningful way where you actually had somebody who wasn't just like a screaming white girl as like the final girl. Like, And I thought that that was really cool. Just another thing I enjoyed about the movie was that you actually had a, yeah. No, I was just saying, just you had a good mix. Yeah. Of folks. I really like that even the, like having so many like a diverse cast or whatever, but having people actually be people because that, yeah. that is another thing is a lot of times when you have a diverse cast is like, you know, uh, a person of this ethnicity has to be exactly like, you know, they're yeah. all these archetypes where it's like you it, we're seeing everybody just act as humans they're not you know they're not gonna make decisions based off of like their color that that is something that happens a lot in in horror and outdated and outdated stereotypes that were never really based in reality so so it's it's just nice to see people be people yes yeah Yeah, true and like that also comes down to just good filmmaking everything is and another slasher that i love friday the 13th part three like that it's like all white people but the thing is none of them would ever be friends with each other yeah. mm-hmm. like ever yeah. like in, in that group and so it's it's something special when you actually do offer some diversity and it's authentic and it feels real because that is real like people are like you know at least like not shitty people um <laughs> like when they're when they do have right. a diverse group of friends like the, it, you're not just friends with someone just because of their color yeah. And uh, that's the thing that, like, I feel like they're almost making counterpoints. Like, their point that these studios are trying to make by diversifying is making them just fall on their own sword. And it's just like, it it doesn't work. You got to give it some attention. You got to pay attention to these people, like, as people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to have a connection with each yeah. other. So. Like, I mean, I'm even, I d- it's not horror, but I'm thinking of um, the creators of, like, Letterkenny. Like, they, there was an article I read recently where they talked about, like, um, the indigenous actors in the show uh, are are the number one consultants and and people who inform like this is what this is what that's not what my character would say this is what somebody from my community would say like this is the kind of clothes that we, I would wear like again like letting this actually come from those experiences and again as we all know like seeing seeing yourself on screen is a really powerful thing seeing yourself on screen yes. In, in, in a power moment, which you really get in this movie at the end, is, like, I can't even imagine how amazing, like, I know how amazing it feels for me watching, like, Laurie at the end of Halloween. So for, like, so many other folks seeing, like, like you know, again, just so many of these movies seeing the end of this movie. How do you think I feel as a straight white man with a beard <laughs> and a flannel shirt? Never, no representation <laughs> for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard for me to relate in terms of representation because there's not enough uh, dark-haired losers who make it all the way through. You know, like, usually the losers get killed, so it's all these, like, alpha dudes. So, you know, we need to see more sh- shitty... We're the stoners. We always get killed second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is but this is kind of like... And I, I know y'all have had this conversation before in some of your other episodes, and, and we've obviously been kind of having it, but 
with this whole remake but seeing something turned on its head will make us uncomfortable sometimes and we really investigate it but it it, again the folks who are like oh the commentary was too much it's like those are the people where they got a little too uncomfortable and they didn't want to go there so i love hearing Mm -hmm. that you two could like dive right in and and get it and feel that and 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 revel in it because it's when you have i think at the end of the day when you have good filmmakers telling good stories like we've seen this more and more especially in like the last five ten years seeing this shift in in the horror movie club that used to be such a closed club right and seeing mm-hmm. more diverse yeah. voices and and you know diverse identities telling stories and it's like and look at the amazing things that come out of it when you get new eyes yeah. and, and new ideas into a genre that's been around for how long right and and it also it goes to show that uh, I, i'm only bringing this up because this has already been brought up today but like when we talk about like black christmas 2019 and and talking about like yes that, get em, boozy, get em. <laughs> that movie that movie <laughs> oh, no. had a, a message or whatever and and yeah people like we got a lot of flack for that and and you know like first and foremost i was not looking forward to it as a huge fan of black christmas because it just you were crazy looking forward to it until, until they the, trailer. the trailer. Yeah, and, it, and then the trailer revealed that, oh boy, this might suck. And then, oh boy, was it so much worse than we thought it would be. But I, I guess like the, the point of it being is that like you can you can update the these movies to uh, the climate of today, but you still and, and you can have your your uh, opinions or the kind of message you want to put across, but you still have to make fun and entertaining movies so when with the dna of what you're remaking like slumber party massacre did it perfectly. exactly the only part of black christmas is black christmas is it's a holiday and they stole the name and 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 so that it is really nice to see something like this that updates in it in a proper way and you don't feel like it's a a smack in the face although the the original isn't some heralded like you know sacred art it is the fact that that it, it still holds value to that original in comparison because it takes so much from it and does it in its own way and i think in terms of uh making a remake this is probably the best way to do it you're you're ta- you're taking the core ideas. It's still funny. It still has a little bit of nudity. It's still a, a slasher at the end of the day. But they updated it. They made it fun. And I, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is it's it's fun. It's a, it's a good watch. So you know all the, the best all the best remakes. They still have the core DNA. Like you look at the Hills Have Eyes remake where exactly like they just totally amp up the horror. Same with the Evil Dead. And it's like they take like the extreme over the top nature of the practical effects and the blood and the gore, and they just like really focus on that section of it slumber party massacre if you're going to remake that in 2021 what's the point well right we could right do what here they originally wanted to do yeah. with it what they wanted to do it like this is like the i can't imagine i like it's just it feels like filmmakers unleashed like being like i felt like a lot uh, um danishka esser hazy got to actually do what she wanted to do with this because yeah i i did not have high hopes for it and i loved it this will be on my top 10 this year 100 like, i, I had oh, I such that. a good time with this and movie I, you know even i'm thinking yeah. like i i know i was kind of hammering on like the slashers of the 80s and i think that that's not totally fair either because even if i'm thinking about and then i always talk about like the slick slashers of the 90s like scream and all that stuff which of mm-hmm. course scream is always precious in my heart but even thinking about a lot of the horror movies that came out in the 2000s still had that really misogynistic element to them, right? But still that really voyeuristic, still a lot of women falling over themselves and tripping. And Well, just, 
a movie that I love. I love the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, I, I think that movie's great, and I know Boozy does too, but Jessica Biel doesn't wear a bra that whole movie. No. And, and, and she's like, running and jumping and a lot. And she's, not... and she's falling down constantly. And I'm going to tell you, for a lot of folks that have bigger breasts, that's not realistic. <laughs> like, yeah, it would be painful. <laughs> and so, like, that, and that, and you know what, for me, No I... wonder Leatherface can catch everybody. <laughs> If they're not wearing they're not, bras, of course he's going to catch. Nobody's being slowed down by their boobs in these movies. Like you're, like you're in Texas. It's the same the thing field. with the snake and anaconda. Put some running shoes on, yeah. you know. But I yeah, think, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna get hit by a bush. But I'm saying that, like, and you know, and and yeah, it's like I can, I can laugh and appreciate those movies, movies in the moments. But that's it. Is that like I, I thought the movie was scary, and I have to tell you, like again, as for myself, like watching it, that those moments took me out of it because I'm just like we're meant to be looking at her chest the entire time, right? Even. Right. And I understand this is sacrilege. I let me preface this by saying I love Alien, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I think you know where I'm going with this. But like that, very, I know that very end scene with Sigourney Weaver is meant to kind of In her underwear, right? She's meant to. It's meant to be. Her, she's quite vulnerable. But it's like it's really still a little bit voyeuristic with her in like the little tight tank top and the underwear. It's like I think for me, it's this like growing up. I got really excited when I saw like a girl kick ass at the end of a movie, right? Like you're talking to the girl mm-hmm. who cried sobbed in the movie theater at the end of like uh the new the the new star wars movies like oh my gosh well now that i say that what was the first one that came out like force, force awakens. awakens like i'm yeah, sorry when too. ray catches yeah. like the lightsaber sobs in the theater because i yeah. had never seen that before yes i saw princess leia and that was incredible but i never seen yeah I, but, she wasn't the jedi I didn't, wasn't the jedi you wanted to be the jedi and so yeah. i think for me it's like even growing up and then through high, like as a kid and then through high school and then in like my young adult life like watching these horror movies there was still always that piece of it and after all you just get so desensitized you're like oh yeah here's the close-in on the girl without the bra on and away yeah. we go so there's just something that's like extra delicious about this movie for me because it's just like fuck yeah <laughs> like not only do I these girls like kick the ass that really- but I feel like they've been swinging for this for a while now. Like they've tried and like they, this just really got it right. Yeah. I like this, this movie just really nailed down like what it it is possible to be able to flip the script and to have different heroes and and different people in these and make it really good still yeah like absolutely but it is pretty hilarious how slumber party massacre of all movies (laughs) i was gonna say who who would have thought yeah but it's it's worth it's worth it and i think again like you're saying like filmmakers unleashed it's like if we dare to step out of our stereotypes if we dare to step out of our, our formulaic ways of doing horror movies if we dare to let different people tell different stories and if we dare to let ourselves be a little bit uncomfortable we can see some really incredible movies, like some really incredible stories being told. And yeah, again, like of all the vehicles, Slumber Party Massacre is not the one I would have expected for this like mini feminist revolution in horror, but like, I'll take the it. the biggest black horse out of like what should, you know, like <laughs> yes. what could yeah. come back and, and have something to say. Slumber Party Massacre of all things yeah. has something to say. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. No, no one would have guessed that that yeah. was the yeah. one that was going to really do and it. And again, it's not, it's not a perfect movie, but I, I didn't need it to be. I just wanted to have a different story or a different way of the story being told. And I just, yeah, I had a hoot watching it. And I think that, again, it's it just goes to show you. It's like we don't have to always do things the same way to have some really great horror movies. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was a super fun conversation, and uh, I knew it would be. I'm I'm so happy that uh, I knew that you weren't a slasher fan, but I did think that like 
I don't know. I just, I knew we were going to, no matter who we brought on, I would be very shocked if we didn't have a great conversation about that remake after I'd watched it. And I know Boozy recommended us do, you're like saying there's a new Slumber Party Massacre out and I had just watched it. So I was like, fuck yeah, like, let's do this. Yeah. And uh, it was an absolute blast. So thank you so much again for joining Cassie. Oh, yeah. oh, before, you, and, uh, before you go, can I give my quick review of Slumber Party Massacre 2 and 3? Oh my god, right, Let's we do forgot it. to talk about this, yes. Yeah, I, I want to get this in because I forced myself to watch most of it. I had to, I, I don't know if you guys know about what Slumber Party Massacre is, or the idea of it. It's some of the wildest shit ever. Basically, uh, it, it takes the story of the Driller Killer and everything, but he's uh, a 70s greaser. He's kind of like Andrew Dice Clay. No. And, Love it. And for some reason... Boom! Yeah, they do, they do like weird <laughs> flashbacks to like the first one of Russ, but then they have this like, yeah, like... Oh, hey, I'm gonna drill Ooh. ya. And, oh, and yeah, no. so like, like I got a weird, about... like New Jersey or New York. Like, where are we coming <laughs> from here? Yeah, like down to down to black on black, holding a black guitar with the with slick the back. Does like, he have a comb? yeah, yes. It's it's every guy who dated someone in high school who was thirty. <laughs> that's who it is. Listen, we all but, had our phases of rockabilly guys. Okay, let it go. It's, yeah, oh it was just—it's just so odd to you. Like out of out of anything, when you guys see the first, like when we watched the first one, you go like, where could a sequel go? Rockabilly was not on the table for me, so I was a little bit surprised. Three is a little bit more returned to form, and I'm gonna be honest—I I fell asleep. I was I was really mad after having watched like half an hour of Rockabilly Russ, so I gave up on that. If you want to watch two or three, they're both on YouTube right now. As also, I wish Kyle was here because I found out that three is also on Mubi. So if he still has oh, a random yeah. reason to have movie, you can watch. Uh, sl- <laughs> well, God, I forgot. I always name. forget about those other uh, those other streaming services that aren't Tubi. I I Who don't needs other streaming services besides Tubi. Honestly, I don't even go anywhere near that. I'm I'm a very mainstream gal, so I've got but I've got COVID really upped my streaming game. So I yeah I do Netflix. I I hate myself, but I do Amazon Prime. Uh, my best friend lets me. <laughs> Uh, steal her Crave account. I did Disney Plus, which is like really upped their horror content. And then, of course, Shutter. You got to have the Shutter account. But Cassie, like, I, I just just Get because I have to throw it in there. You have to try out Tubi. There is legit some You'll great stuff it. on there. No. Like the original Texas oh Chainsaw is on there. Do you, for everything f- is on there. Yeah. Like if you're a horror fan, Tubi is a godsend. Tubi, the only, okay. the only, and it's free. The you only bet, like you can make it's an all free, and you can you no, can. No, no, no. See, I like paying awful corporations a lot of money to stream movies. Okay, exactly. That's where Jeffrey I'm Bezos. <laughs> if if Tubi ever yeah. does a Wikipedia thing and sends me a thing where it's like, hey, do you like using our free service? Give us some money. You know, we're a free service. I'll go. Yeah, sure, Tubi. You could. You deserve it. <laughs> Good for you. The negative to Tubi is there are ads, but you it's fine because you're getting all these amazing movies for free, and also all these movies that time forgot. Oh, that's the most we important. We really need thing. to get sponsored by Tubi because we talk. It, they, dude, they don't Tubi. take money from anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, I was trying. I, mean, I was trying to get the all Disney sponsorship there, but I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think so. Especially not after Boozy's been shitting on the Marvel universe for two hundred episodes. What? Yeah, they wouldn't let me. Yeah, I would not get the ears. Oh no! Mitch wouldn't get it for Boozy. shitting on the new Star Wars though, so we'd all get out. <laughs> oh, so we're this gonna have true, to yeah. have a special episode where I just school you on the Marvel universe. Then, okay, no, that's okay. Oh, just put no. that aside. Yeah. Just put it aside. And... Are you a Marvel fan? 
<laughs> Why do I feel like I'm about so, to get kicked off the podcast? No, I I, I love I love because yes. we're close I, to I'm the end. No. No, <laughs> no, I I do I love the Marvel universe, and I will say that is some of my favorite universe building in in the the decade of of those movies. That is incredible universe building, and I think that they're really special. Have you seen Shang Chi yet? No, I haven't. So I haven't seen a lot of the newer ones. I've seen some of the stuff that was that was streaming on. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. And the Eternals looks great. And actually, one of my favorite actors, whose name I'm now completely blanking on, from Train to Busan, is in the Eternals too. What is his name? Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I can't oh, remember. God. Yeah. Her name. But either. yeah, like one of my like either the, way. the the big tough guy from Train to Busan is in the Eternals. Oh, oh that's yes. the best. Oh, he's the and homie. He's so yeah, funny. The, he's, he's the so best good. character in Train he's to Busan. Such a wonderful actor. Um, oh God. I, I never remember actors' names though. I started doing like the guy who was in the thing, who did that, who yeah, that's so, that's so where that. I am. Oh, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Kyle, and Mitch are usually the guys who know names. Yeah, yeah. Usually it comes to me in like the middle of the night. But yeah, like I I do. I'm a big fan of the Marvel universe. I think it's excellent universe building. But now I'm concerned that Mitch doesn't like the Star Wars, and there's just a lot. There's a lot we'll have to talk about on another. No, well, I I love I love Star Wars. I just think the Last Jedi is a giant piece of shit. Okay, okay. Shots fired. Okay. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's like the only like I no, I'm just kidding. I don't even think it's that bad. But no, I'm I'm a I'm a Star Wars nut. Like I'm a yeah. Let's let's close up shop here. <laughs> Again, we'll, and we'll with Mitch going, you know, I actually like Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Get him on I record. love Star Get him Wars. On Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. No. For Thank sure. you so much for being on, Cassie. Again, oh, yeah. this is great. I think this was a, a great conversation to have, and and I think that. Um, we actually had a pretty deep comfort for, for covering something like Slumber Party Massacre. We did a pretty good job of digging deep into it, even on the first one. I'll, I'll give credit to that. Absolutely. Well, it's so funny. Like, I, I know it was like, oh, we're just going to talk about some, like, fun slashers. It won't be deep. And it's like, oh, you you sweet summer child. I will go deep on everything. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, yeah. I, I, this was super fun. I had fun watching both the movies. And I always have fun talking to you all. I hope it's not another year before I... I come and visit you again. No. So yeah, but this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely not. We'll definitely have you back sooner. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll get our schedule all figured out, and then we'll find another exciting one to bring Cassie back on for. So yeah. thanks again, Cassie, and uh, thank you all for listening. If uh, you want to follow us on any social media platforms, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, and we're just at the Terror Table. Or check out our website at www.theterrortable.com. And until then, I guess we'll just see you in November when Halloween continues again for us because this is a 365-day-a-year <laughs> thing. This is a Halloween zone. But hope everyone had the best Halloween. I hope you're having the best Halloween when you hear this. And, uh, yeah, love you all. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween.